Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnify Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And our robotic hearts forbid us from laughing and crying. But we'll definitely die in space. <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. Yep. Um, John, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be <laughs> 100. I'm just going <laughs> to. God damn it. I always forget. I'm going to be honest with our, yeah. with our listeners right now. Yeah. We've done this before. That's <laughs> true. <Sure. laughs> um, so we, uh, we got into the podcast and into talking with our guest today. Yeah. But some <laughs> asshole forgot to hit record. We were really on a tear too. We had some solid jokes that we'll we'll aim to recreate. <laughs> what do you What do you mean? Everything that we're going to say right now? Is, oh right, right. I mean, is... uh, yeah. This is going to be a brand new start. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I I've always feared that day when I accidentally fail to hit the record button. You know um, what? The main thing that you lost was our bullshit, and you <laughs> caught it early on with our guest Blake Chastain of Exvangelical, who we have a great conversation with later. Yeah. Um, we later encounter additional technical difficulties with Blake when we start going through the album, but that has nothing to do with you, so you shouldn't feel bad about that. <laughs> um, but Blake joins us to talk about um, many things, and this album in particular. Then joins us for a couple songs when we go track by track, and then has to peace out. But <laughs> yeah. great conversation with him ahead. Yeah, uh, the conversation is great. The the technology mm. um, aspect. You would think in in a, a podcast about a about an album that's sort of like about space and about right. you know futuristic things, we could get our shit together. But yeah, for whatever not. reason, the the robots were not on our side today. No, jeez. Nope. Uh, John, let's let's get into some voicemails. Uh, let's do it. Because at this point, we've already consumed all of our beverages. That's true. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's, we got a Peter from Atlanta. Hey, guys. This is Peter from Atlanta. I just wanted to call and share a, a fun story about my first Five Iron concert. Uh, it was uh, before all the hype came out, and I actually was – it was an, the insiders were who I went to go and see, which is a, a little embarrassing now because Five Iron is so much better. But, uh, my, uh, <laughs> I really loved the Scalleluia albums because they played a lot of songs that I grew up on from camp and, uh, with, uh, that, that's kind of what got me into Ska in the first place. But Five Iron was there and Reese, I, if I remember correctly, had, wasn't there because he had to go to a funeral. And so Justin McRoberts, who is kind of a like a singer, songwriter, acoustic guitar player kind of music, uh, was there and uh he was the opening act and so he stood in for Reese and they played their full set with Justin McRoberts uh doing all the vocals for Reese. And I had heard Five Iron before but just hadn't really gotten into them. But the show, like seeing how what an amazing show they put on with a vocalist who wasn't even their own vocalist and seeing like the crowd just 
singing along like you know full throated to uh to blue comb and every new day and stuff like made me fall in love with the band that night uh even though reese wasn't there um so i promptly went out and got their uh you know the albums that were available at that time and then the next studio album that uh came out was all the hype which you guys hate but that was my (laughs) first album that i got to get uh when it was new and so it has a real special place for me and solidarity is one of my all-time favorite uh five iron songs i just love it with the the latin beat and all the cool percussion and everything and uh so yeah that's my five iron story Thanks for the pod, guys. I, I really uh, am, am enjoying hearing your takes on everything. It's given me new insight into a lot of the songs and kind of making me in, enjoy Five Iron all over again, even though I've always been a fan. <laughs> so uh, thanks for all you're doing. Uh, magnified pod forever. All right. Yes. Yeah. You know, thanks, Peter. I will take, I'll take a magpod for life. I'll take a magpod forever. Yeah. Uh, however, magpod for space <laughs> galaxies <laughs> however you know uh you know magpod for parsec i don't know <laughs> sure yeah that sounds however, good <laughs> however you want to measure time we made um, the magpod run famously in 11 <laughs> parsecs i don't know <laughs> yeah we are we are the the han and, and chewy of, mm. of podcasts who's who I'm, I'm, I'm no, God damn it! No, you're not Chewy. How dare I feel like you? I'm, I'm Harry, and I kind of weigh in occasionally. I have, I have a, <laughs> I have, uh, I just, I just pulled out. I have a Chewbacca uh, figure on my, um, on my desk at all times. All right. You can't. If I'm, you can, if I'm Han, I gotta. Oh, that looks good. I don't know if you um, can see uh, on the top of my. Uh, yeah, it looks great. A little. I've got, I've got Chewy all over this place. I'm going to I'm going to step up my vest game. I'm going to throw out some more sexy one-liners. I'm really going to live into this hot. You'll thing. be you'll be problematic with women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, princess. I'll say that a lot to you. That kind of stuff. Um, please anyway, please do. <laughs> Peter, you had nothing to Thank do with you. any of that nonsense. Wait, but... your worshipfulness. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, be as condescending great... <laughs> as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a great voicemail, Peter. Thank yeah. you for that. I uh, um I want to I would be interested to see what a uh, what a Reese a Reese uh, a, an absent Reese <laughs> an absent Reese what does that even mean <laughs> what a, a, sh- a five iron show with uh, somebody else as a lead singer I think that'd be interesting but I I don't necessarily want to see it yeah I, I do I, but I don't want to see it right right I'm fascinated by this I've not heard about this and I would like to see some footage of it if it exists but yeah who else yeah. has seen five iron without reese is this right. a, like a, a one-time thing what if this <laughs> yeah. was like his his first show and it was the only time wow. it had ever happened that'd yeah. be that'd be nuts i wonder too like i mean his voice is such a distinctive part of the band's sound that it's tough to imagine yeah somebody else doing that yeah. um some but, would say it was it'd be the worst part of the band <laughs> yeah could be um <laughs> that's the uh that's i hate five iron frenzies is leaking into exactly. this podcast yeah 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 um uh, i feel like there's something else is going to respond to that peter said but um, um that we hate all the hype oh yeah right yeah yeah we, hate is too strong a word as you have said before but um <laughs> <laughs> i yeah <laughs> i 
it's our it's it's yeah it's not our favorite five iron album <laughs> yeah i mean even um even my least favorite mxpx records i don't hate them no, no. i have strong feelings about about some of the songs but i i i wouldn't say i hate a five iron record or i hate an mxpx record I For the, a uh, Brave Saint Saturn song we'll hear later today. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, despite what despite what someone says on iTunes about us hating MXPX. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Who have devoted <laughs> endless hours uh, to MXPX only to hate them. <laughs> Not us. Not us. Um, Nikki P., a return, hey. a return to form. Hey, Papa, dude. <laughs> I am on the road, on my way back from uh, the theology thing that I did. So <laughs> finally caught up uh, on the podcast. And uh, I'm not through with the last one. So after this one, I'm going to finish it. But... I'm just calling in regards to Andrew's Op Ivy tattoo. Number um, one, I have been binging the shit out of some Operation Ivy lately, like nonstop for the past month, just on repeat. Um, I've never done really a deep dive into the lyrics and stuff, and I have been. I just can't hit enough. I think that the this pod, the pod, definitely influenced me. So number two, in light of that, where are the goddamn pics, buddy? I want to yeah. see that cat. I want to yeah. see that ink. Uh, so I want to see it on the interwebs or slide into my DMs. Um, anyway, I will definitely call back. Uh, magnified pod for life. Many smooches. Peace. Yeah. Nikki P. Uh, at his theology thing, presenting. <laughs> that's what he's doing. <laughs> like that's what he said. Uh, presenting a um, a paper on punk and Wesleyan theology. So cool. Which we have a copy of, and we will do a special episode all about it. Just, just us talking about. (laughs) Not with Nick. (laughs) No, not not with Nick. Uh, Nick Polk. No, we're we're just going to um, critique it specifically. We're just gonna just break it down and tear it apart. No, I'm I'm I uh, have it open on my computer right now. Um, He sent it to us maybe cool. yesterday or today or something. And I'm really excited to uh, dig into it and, yeah. and share our thoughts uh, yeah. with him. You also uh, have to share a picture of your Op Ivy tattoo. I, I have to share a picture of my Op Ivy tattoo. I, I'm sorry that I have not done that. I know I teased it and I'm no, everybody's clamoring. <laughs> yeah. They're on the streets. Just <laughs> <laughs> kicking, t- kicking my door down, yeah, looking, yeah looking through my windows, trying to see my yep. fresh ink. <laughs> um, so speaking of Op Ivy, uh, yeah. Danny Leary, a uh, resident ska expert, our Skoxpert. <laughs> sure. I tried. I tried. <laughs> uh, he took issue with something that I said uh, about Operation Ivy hmm. in our last episode. Hey, it's Danny from City Hawkins Pod, and... I can't believe that I'm calling to do anything remotely like <laughs> stick up for Danny Stairs. Um, <laughs> so I have many hot takes on Operation Ivy. 
however, I will say that, like, you know, it sounded like Danny Stairs was saying, basically, he hates Operation Ivory or he doesn't enjoy them. That is not where I come from with this. But I, when when Andrew was like, I can't understand, I can't imagine what the way Scott would be like without Operation Ivy. I'm like, yeah, it's mostly the same. That's my main hot take. I love Operation Ivy, but my main thing is that I think there is this narrative that exists in sort of third wave Scott Punk history right now that is all that Operation Ivy basically invented Scott Punk. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that the actual evidence supports that. But what does support that is the sort of wikiality of it. It's just like whoever got to the internet first and started writing up all the wiki pages for Scott Punk and Third Wave Ska was like, oh, Operation Ivy, they're the oldest band that I know of that played Scott Punk, so they're obviously the band that invented Third Wave Scott Punk. Uh, I think it actually all belongs to Fishbone, and I think that the timeline supports that because Operation Ivy was active. I just looked this up. I'm not, I'm not like actually pulling these numbers out of my head. But Operation Ivy. He's not Aaron Sorkening it right now. <laughs> yeah, they used to be in my head, but they're not anymore. Operation Ivy was active from 87 to 89. Fishbone started in 79. We don't actually know a lot about what they used to, Fishbone used to play in their first years, but we know that their first EP came out in 85. And go and listen to the first Fishbone EP. It sounds like it came out. It came out in '85. It sounds like it came out in 1999. I know that's not like it doesn't. It sounds like it, it, I'm not saying it sounds like it came out today, but it sounds like it came out a decade later. The first Fishbone EP, and then their first full-length album for Columbia Records also comes out before Operation Ivy has formed. It sounds a little bit less like what we know of as ska punk. Still, I have many more hot takes to explain this, but I've only got three minutes, so maybe I'll just shut up and hang up. Magpod for life. All right. I, so, I got to say quickly that my favorite deliverer of Magpod for life is Danny Leary because he always yeah. says it so resigned. He's so <laughs> dejected, yeah. like just fucking whatever. I guess I got to say this. Um, no, but okay. Let me just let me just clear up a couple things. Um, I know, I know he did say what I pretty much said that it's hard to imagine what Scott Punk would be like Mm -hmm. without Op Ivy. And all I was just trying to say was I feel like their influence is undeniable. And I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Gotta, you gotta fit in some MXPX wherever you can. Um, I, I, I wasn't saying that. Operation Ivy invented ska punk. I wasn't trying to, uh, like, obviously, ska and two tone. Like, he gets into he has a second voicemail where he gets into some more, some more of this. <laughs> okay. And obviously, like, um, I I wasn't trying to make any claim that you know Jesse Michaels and 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 Tim Armstrong and the like created a, an entire genre. But I do think that. The, as a, a precursor to a lot of ska punk, they like you can't put it all on a single band. You can't to say even Fishbone is uh, the only band that influenced 
all of Scott Punk. I don't think that would be fair either uh, to say, to put it, to heap it all onto one band. I don't think, I think that there are many influences. I think you could probably ask any number of ska bands and say, Hey, so what was, what were some of your earliest influences? And some might say the Scottalites, some might say the specials, some might say Fishbone, some might say the beat, you know, who, who knows? It, it, it could be any number of those bands. And I think that's, that's what makes, you know, this, I mean, not every third wave ska band even sounds the same. And like, and if, I don't know if anybody's ready for this hot take, I might get some heat for this. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm, I, this, this might be, this might be sacrilege, but. Super tons I, of Antisca. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a huge Fishbone fan. Uh, what? I, I, I just, I'm just not. I have tried listening to a number of their albums. I even listened to the EP that Danny suggested. Uh, and yeah, it sounds a little bit more uh, modern than one would assume a 1985 ska record sounds. Mm-hmm. But uh, not super. I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I just need a little bit more time with those records. But I've listened, I've tried listening to them numerous times and uh, they've never really done anything for me. And the reason I. The reason I have an Operation Ivy tattoo is not because I'm saying fishbone sucks. Why'd you get fish... that tattooed under it? Then? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'll get the fishbone logo with like a big X <laughs> through no. it. Yeah. Um, but I got it because of the of their influence on me, and and right. and that the, the, how, how that album speaks to me, um, and that's just going to be the way it is for any number of music fans that certain albums are going to be influential um, at, at any given time. So, uh, you know, Fishbone in 79 would probably influence a different group of people than 10 years later, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to start like a, a timeline war here with Danny Leary. I'm just trying sure. to clarify like um, that – you know, just kind of my reasoning and, you know, just my yeah. hot takes. I think what we're saying is that, Danny, you're a coward until you get <laughs> a fishbone tattoo live on the pod. Yeah, um, let's do it. No, I... Um, we'll, insta- we'll do an inst- Instagram live. Yeah. Um, we <laughs> will uh, fly you out here, all expenses paid. Sure. Um, no, I, I am eager. I hope that when we have our crossover app with Sadie Hawkins pod that we can dive into some of Danny's scholage, um, yeah, a little more deeply. Um, I know he's got plenty to share. I, yeah, I, you know, I know what you were saying and I, but it is interesting to think about like many genres that have been appropriated by white people <laughs> that started with people of color. It's, it's certainly possible that there's some erasure of maybe fishbone or bands that are more like led by people of color. Sure. Younger white that, kids who kind of ape that style, get the glory for it. Um, that, that is also completely, completely possible. Um, you know, uh, I do think that 
I, I am curious the uh, if if somebody were to uh, do kind of a ask self proclaimed ska fans like yeah uh, like like hey are you name a fishbone song versus name an Operation Ivy song right um, and like you know I'm just I it's I do think that's a fair point on your part. Yeah. I, uh, yes, my, my scholarship is, is certainly limited compared to my knowledge of some other areas. So anyway, I don't have a ton to weigh in on here, but yeah. I look forward to us allowing a space for people to weigh in with their hot Scott takes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I mean, he, he goes on to say that, um, basically he people think you know when that ska started in the 90s and people don't realize that that's not the case and that you know people thinking that dookie's green day's first album or life in general is mxpx's first album because of it's the popular album or it's when they first became aware of them you know so um but anyway uh always appreciate danny's hot takes and scholage yes. we will we'll take every opportunity to <laughs> <There you go. laughs> to um be schooled by danny leary yes um we have one more one more voicemail our boy ryan cole hey what's up guys this is ryan cole i'll call again um so most of the time when i'm listening i would just skip ahead to the album discussion um <laughs> Because, to be honest, I don't know either of you, and the two dudes I don't know just ramble on for a while, didn't feel to me. But uh, for whatever reason, with the um, last one, the last Bob Ryan one, the end is the year, I did listen to it, and I heard my shout-out, and then I get free mayonnaise tacos. So <laughs> I was very, very appreciative of that. And um, I'm not going to be able to come up there to pick them up, but I can assure you that if you just send them in the mail, they'll probably arrive just as good. As if I went up there and picked him up. Also, I've heard you guys talking about um, whiskey and different bourbons you like and everything. I have a recommendation not for a whiskey or bourbon, but actually for a cherry. If you've ever had Luxardo, L-U-X-A-R-D-O, mm-hmm. uh, they are excellent cherries. And mm-hmm. uh, I usually make what I call a lazy man old-fashioned, which is just um, bullet uh, bourbon with... Uh, with a couple of cherries, neat. So it takes like three seconds to make. Um, but the cherries are excellent in both texture and flavor. So if you're looking for a way to, to mix up your old fashions and try something different, um, Luxardo, I feel like it's the way to go. Anyway, I hope you guys are doing well. Talk to you later. Um, Luxardo is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I have a jar of Luxardo cherries in my pantry at all times. You're saying my pants. <laughs> I have Luxardo cherries in my pants at all times. Um, John, I mean, that's how, how when, you know, people pop my cherry, <laughs> when people come up uh, to me, they, yes. they say, Andrew, are you, is, is that a jar of Luxardo cherries in your pants? <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like, hey, let me. You trying to trying to get a cocktail over here? And let me uh, just pop a cherry out of here. See, Luxardo, if you become a sponsor, this is the kind of content that we will sh- be sharing on a weekly basis. Yep. Uh, also, when we start our spinoff podcast, uh, Cherry Pod and Daddies. 
<laughs> it was a we, joke we said earlier, but I had to repeat. <laughs> we have to repeat it. We had to repeat Cherry Pot and Daddies because yeah. it's too good to pass to pass up. Yeah. Um, so uh, hashtag Cherry Pot and Daddies. If you want us to do a yep. Cherry Pot and Daddies podcast. Uh, a band that I literally know one song, <laughs> one song. It's a good of. one, though. It's a good one. <laughs> it's uh, my number one this week again. Zitsu Red. <laughs> <laughs> John and I will pod exclusively from Zoot Suits. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is a great idea. Yeah, this is this definitely. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll say we're potting from Zoot Suits, but no one will be able to know. Yeah. We'll just you know as we do we lie week after week um, um but you got those cherries got those cherries got those fee brothers old-fashioned bitters i know a lot of people like the angostura uh mm. not throwing any shade at the angostura uh i just for my old fashions i like the fee brothers because it's so like spicy and like tastes like christmas to me it's mm. uh it's delicious so um uh, subscribe to Magpod for more cocktail recipes. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> we, I see. I feel like we're talking more and more about cocktails every week. Hey, uh, know your lane. Yeah, that our is, lane is booze. Our that lane. Our lane is ska and and <laughs> drinking lots of alcohol. Yeah, it's a perfect combination. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, and and also, uh, Ryan, like we get it. You don't know yeah. us. Uh, skip whatever you want to skip. We, we get it. Like that's why we put it in the show notes, right. uh, the time, the timestamp for people who don't want to listen to us ramble on. Uh, but it also the thing is like you run the risk of, of winning a lifetime supply of mayonnaise tacos. So <laughs> yes, I will promptly shrink wrap those and throw some stamps on them and send them in the mail to you. So yeah. Um, I think we should wait until the middle of summer to send those out. Just okay, so that's fair. they just show so up nice, nice and toasty, and yep. <laughs> nice and toasty. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so Although now that he's listened to the non-album discussion part, he's seen how incredible this banter is. And I think everybody <laughs> yeah. can agree. They'll yeah. now listen to the entire episode. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. How can you, how can you pass this up now? <laughs> yeah. You've seen what you're, you've been missing. <laughs> exactly. And you're, you, you will forever going forward in life. <laughs> think of your life as like, um, post magnified pod banter. Right. You're like, we, you just like, you can't, you can't unknow the genius of the first half of the pod. That's true. Um, speaking of which I wanted yeah. to do some shout outs from our social comments. Okay. Um, which is more content that, uh, folks would miss if they skipped right ahead to the album. Um, but yeah, from our recent, uh, top three songs for the end is near, post uh we asked folks to weigh in with their top three on facebook alex retro said good music i'd say <laughs> <laughs> number one new year's eve number two it was beautiful number three wizard needs food badly uh brian o'neill said number one new year's eve number two american kryptonite number three on distant shores and ryan no sorry Riker, who said this both on facebook and instagram said number one american number two kryptonite number three yeah <laughs> is, i love answer. it the best that is that is the right answer and the best answer <laughs> yeah it's interesting to see some uh, more new year's eve love yeah than right expected it was not uh, necessarily a standout for us um on instagram for the same question 
uh, B. Davidson, our buddy, David Robledo, said, American Kryptonite, number one. Number two, see the, fr- the flames begin to crawl. Number three, Wizard Needs Food. Uh, Irish Rover 32, a.k.a. David Trivet, said, number one, New Year's Eve. Number two, American Kryptonite. Number three, Cannonball. Riker gave his actual answers and said, number one, American Kryptonite. Number two, Cannonball. Number three, On Distant Shores. Mickey said, number one, Cannonball. Number two, New Year's Eve. Number three, see the flames begin to crawl. So again, uh, New Year's Eve, pretty well represented. People yeah. like see the flames more than we do as well. <laughs> um, and then on Twitter, uh, let's see, BA at Coach Ba17 said, number one, American Kryptonite. Number two, Cannonball. Number three, see the flames begin to crawl. Dan Silba said, one, see the flames, two, on distant shores, three, American Kryptonite. So I think it's pretty much the same core, kind of like five right, songs. Right, right, right. Like. Um, so thanks for all those. Um, and I wanted to quickly shout out uh, one comment that I did not share last week uh, when we did our question of the week about Roper. Um, Hort85 on Instagram said, caught up in some episodes this week. Even if you've seen Five Iron once, treasure it as they never hit UK shores. And he is a British listener. So thanks for that, Hort. I uh, guess I didn't realize that that never happened. So, yeah, that's um, a bummer. That is is a bummer. That is a giant bummer. Um, It it makes me think, like, you know, when, whenever you see on uh, the, the meme of like, come to Brazil, you know, (laughs) you know, people who are just like in other countries that are so desperate for their favorite bands. And I feel like, we kind of can take that for granted. It's true. I really feel like Central America and South America are always very well represented in those requests. So that's that's funny. true. Um, so one other thing I wanna I wanna call out, uh, Bill Shannon. Um, he's uh, he's buddies uh, with with the band, and he um, he actually sent us a pretty long message on um, on Facebook, giving yeah. some of his thoughts on the End Is Near app. Um, and so I won't, I won't read the whole thing since it's, it's pretty long and I don't know how much he um, would want me to share some of the stuff. But um, so one of the things, um, you know, we talked about uh, um, some of the songs that you just mentioned um, that we were like wondering what they were kind of about and mm-hmm. um one of them you and I had were like, this seems like a really specific song, the, the farewell to arms. Right. Uh, right. uh, And he said that it was meant for Boogaloo and it was a totally different topic. It was about (laughs) someone on the five iron frenzy message board and it was way too personal and about a specific person. And in the end (laughs) they decided to rework it. That's the end is near. So the, the lyrics aren't related at all. Yeah. Interesting. That's, I mean, we read some of those original lyrics and yeah. wondered that thing. So, yeah. 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 Um, but he, so see the flames begin to crawl is uh, he says somewhat about the band, but also about a forest fire that hit Colorado around that time. A forest service employee was found out to be the cause of the fire because they were burning the receipts and other things of their ex in the forest and it got out of hand and they were prosecuted. Huh. Wow. Fascinating um, stuff. Yeah. Um, he says on distant shores, they changed the horn line in the callback to every new day because the original was a little too similar to nerf herders golf shirt. Okay. Um, so, um, but Speaking yeah, of yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
it really means a lot when, when you guys uh, reach out to us and, yeah. um, you know, say kind and encouraging things. So, um, sure. we hate Fiber and Frenzy as much as we hate Fiber or MXPX. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, oh boy. I'm, re- I'm really winding down here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, like time is winding down. It is late. Hey, let's, uh, John, I think we should probably get into, um, this conversation with Blake from Exvangelical. Let's do it. Today on the podcast, we have uh, Blake Chastain. He is the host of the Exvangelical podcast, podcast that explores the wide world of faith, belief, and disbelief outside of it. Also, the post-evangelical post. You can find out more about his podcast, the uh, Exvangelical podcast at exvangelicalpodcast.com, or you can find him streaming everywhere. Blake Chastain, Thank you for coming to Magnified Pod and putting up with the fact that I forgot to record the first introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Before, before we get into uh, Five Iron or Brave Saint Saturn or anything, can you break down your um, church background and like how you got into the, um, the Christian alternative scene or how you started listening to Christian alternative music? Sure. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in small town, Indiana, um, and my family had initially attended like a, 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 United, a United Methodist church. Um, and even though the UM church is like a mainline tradition, it also often takes on like a lot of local flavor. So if you go to somewhere like, you know, the city center of Chicago, you're going to find a progressive sort of church. But if you go to a town like where I was born and, and raised, which is largely white and rural and all those sorts of things. It's going to take on those characteristics sure. um, just because like they're sort of everywhere and they're a pretty moderate tradition, uh, all, all things considered. Um, and I, I had a good uh, experience there, um, but to sort of speed up into where I got into Christian music and everything, it wasn't until I moved to, the Chicago suburbs in high school and sort of got plugged into a, a youth group there. Like mm-hmm. my youth group in Crawfordsville, I probably would have, um, you know, been just as equally involved, but it was just the combination of like, I moved at the tail end of my freshman year. I didn't really have many, I didn't really make any friends that those last six weeks. Um, and then sophomore year, like just went to this church youth group sort of on a whim, somebody probably, and, you know, evangelized and invited me or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like, you know, you just sort of get plugged in and you have a friend group. Um, And that was just like nineties youth group culture. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So um, all your best friends were whoever showed up on that, (laughs) that Wednesday night or whenever, when, when was your, when, what was your youth group night? Wednesday. Wednesday? John, did you ever, what was, I think we had like special Wednesday night sessions, but Sunday night was like the main, main Uh, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like we were were kind of like, uh, you know, raw and like alternative sort of, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was something about the, uh, the suburbs of Chicago. We're all like, yeah, man, we just all got together and decided that youth group was on Wednesday nights. (laughs) Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. So, (laughs) So yeah, so that was that was basically it. And then I I just had a lot of I was very religious just personally. I mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing that 
that, you know, throughout having conversations over the last several years around this type of thing, I think some people have a sort of like predilection to being religious and some people don't. Um, and then there's a wide gamut between those. It's, it's mm-hmm. a spectrum like so many other things. Yeah. Um, and I was just a very like religiously motivated kid. Um, and I got my, my like high school job. I worked at a Christian bookstore. And that's where I was like, yes, I'm going to spend so much of my money <laughs> on my sweet 35% off discount at Limstone Ooh. Books, you know, uh, and then take home all the samplers and stuff uh, as often as they would let me, which is absolutely what I did. Um, so it was this bookstore, a smaller franchise. It wasn't like Family Christian. I, I, I wasn't big time like that. Um, it was this one called <laughs> Limstone Books, which was in the Fox Valley Mall in Aurora, yeah. Illinois. That's, um, that's, that's, I'm pretty sure that was the, my local Christian bookstore in Arlington Heights. I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. they, they had one at, um, at Randhurst Mall, which is yep. where I needed to go to, and you know, until, until college, you know, it's where I would, um, had to go to get my. Right. You know, tooth and nail and solid state and BC records. Yeah. And so, I mean, I wasn't that, I wasn't super into a lot of, uh, a lot of like your main, the main things that you guys have talked about, like MXPX. I, I, I did really get into like later five iron, like all mm-hmm. the hype that money can buy and electric boogaloo and brave Saint Siren. Like I knew those albums really well, but I never really went back and discovered that. And, but then like, um, you know, around that time, it was just because I was always in the store. There was also there wasn't just the alt stuff that would play that we would try to sneak on. Um, there was also like your Stacey O'Rico's, and she came and like did a, a like a in in store signing and stuff. Nice. Um, <clears throat> just to to sort of like peg the timeline. Uh, this was Prayer of Jabez special. Uh, yes. Okay. It was so. <laughs> It was late late 90s Prayer of Jabez was the special section um, uh-huh. for the impulse buy near the cash register. <laughs> uh, it would eventually cycle out to like purpose-driven life uh-huh. sort of thing. Um, but that was, that was the era uh, yeah. in which I worked there and when I was really super into <laughs> Christian music. But yeah. um, I wasn't like genre, I wasn't dedicated to, to any like to alternative or anything. Uh-huh. Uh, I really liked Chris Rice because I thought his lyrics were de- were good. Like they weren't just cookie cutter. Sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, Further Seems Forever. I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Big Further Seems Forever fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, before that, before that, I mean, some of the, the Christian music that I knew was like, uh, you know, Carmen's Righteous Invasion of Truth and Mission Through <laughs> 16. That's right. <laughs> I responded to an altar call at that. Oh, that man. Tour, so. I think you just hit like 90s Christian <laughs> bingo right there. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, like, I can't remember if I've asked you this before. I probably have, but did you ever go to Heart and Soul uh, youth group in the Northwest suburbs? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, it which... was like, yeah, just this like coffee shop that hosted a lot of Christian alternative shows Wait. when they came through town. Was it at what was it in St. Charles or somewhere near there? Mount Prospect, right? Mount Prospect. It was Mount Prospect, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there right was another next to one, Wendy's. There was another one that was uh that was 
in St. Charles that for whatever reason, I think it was because uh, when I went to college at Indiana Wesleyan, I'm, I made a friend that lived in St. Charles and she would go to this Christian coffee shop and yeah. over there, but it wasn't heart and soul. Okay. Well, I guess there was a lot of that going around at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I knew I've always wanted to get you on the pod. I think, you know, what you're trying to do with Exvangelical and, and what we're trying to do here to a much smaller and more niche extent are sort of like similar explorations. And you saying sure. that you worked at Christian Bookstore, which I did as well, that you, you know, you, that youth group was kind of your entree into the more evangelical world. That was, yeah. I grew up Episcopalian, but my exposure to all this stuff was through the youth group that we had there. Yes. And yeah, yes. I just feel like yes. all this stuff is, is perfectly aligning. Um, See, so anyway. I, yeah. And I just building off of what you said, I think that that is absolutely true. I think um, one of the sort of inlines for evangelicals is that they have all these publishing houses. Right, and so right. even like, even like, mainline denominations like you as an Episcopalian and me as a United Methodist, like we, we got all this evangelical theology because, you know, there were probably volunteer youth pastors who couldn't recognize the difference. Right. Uh, And like that had like a sort of lasting impact. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think the sort of youth culture that they tried to build and successfully built I don't know if you guys remember do you guys remember there was like a newsweek cover that was all about like the the jesus freak kids and stuff and it sort of mm. like covered cornerstone and everything that sounds familiar yeah. yeah that i feel like i can think of uh i can picture the cover but i yeah i i mean yeah for me like being you know super filled with zeal uh sure you know, yeah at that time like i was like yeah it's a win for jesus uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Full phrase. laughs> um but but yeah i think that's that's totally on the nose john yeah did you i mean i guess the question i'm really asking is when did you first hear of five iron frenzy was it <laughs> was it when you started working in the bookstore around all the hype was that the yeah yeah i think okay. so i didn't okay. um uh I, I didn't have like so some of some of my friends that were really into music um, that I knew a youth group, they weren't like specifically into Christian music. Um, like w- one of my friends that was really he like had to stop playing hockey for some reason, and he he just decided he, to take all that passion and learn how to play guitar. Um, and he got really into like different worship music, but then my other my other main friend that was my musical friend was like into rush and Dave Matthews band in addition to you. And I would be the one that would sort of like play, you know, play him whatever CD I got from the store. Um, And so, yeah, it was really around like all the hype was a new release. um, And I would try to sneak it on uh, in the, in the, um, in the store and that would usually get some blowback because like they, they wanted easy listening. Sure. You know, for, of course. And all the audience. hype is not easy to listen to. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little bit of like the redheaded stepchild of their but, discography for us. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I really, I really liked um, their sort of lyricism and even mm. on, on like later on in like electric boogaloo, 
um, you know, they, some of their songs are just direct, um, more political sort of stances, especially the one like about bury my heart at, at wounded knee and everything. Right. right. Yeah. Like that, that track, um, you know, you, you're not going to get that in a lot of other mainstream CCM. Did you go back and listen to any of the early um, Five Iron stuff in, in recent years? I know you said no. that you, you didn't really do that um, at the time when those albums came out, but... No, yeah, that's a good question. I, 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 haven't, um, I haven't yet. I mean, I'm, I'm still open to those sorts of things for the most part, but... Um, no, like I, I haven't been like sort of compelled to. Sure. I think the like the CCM albums um, that that I have gone back to the past have been like uh, "Long Line of Leavers" by Cademan's Call and sure. uh, "Learning to Breathe" by Switchfoot. So not sure. necessarily like alt stuff, but the ones that were like touchstones for me and my friends. For what it's worth. Uh the very first song off five irons first record is called the old west and it is also about native american genocide so they have they have a history of um writing a lot about reese has written a lot about native american genocide and 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 colonialism and it's like it's one yeah. of the, the through lines of the band that i that i love so much right. um critiquing yeah. american culture which is definitely not something you find of to your point you don't find in a lot of uh christian music right yeah you're not gonna find that on like a ffh album you know or no. like what our worship album third day is is making right. you know um <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned cadman's call mm-hmm. um and i know that you had Derek webb on on the on your pod Mm -hmm. um so you know some of the members of of five iron have in later years come out as you know atheists and um you know Derek webb is somebody who eventually you know kind of also went through his own religious deconstruction um you know is this is this something that you're kind of you're noticing with, I mean, not just in the, in the general culture, but also within the Christian music industry. Is this, is this something that, um, that you were able to talk to Derek about or kind of his own specific experience? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have talked to a number of musicians on the show. I've talked to, to Derek, as you mentioned, um, like Trey Pearson, um, from taking back Sunday. Mm. Um, and uh jennifer knapp and right right um right but those are those are the main those are the musicians that i've spoken to um and i ccm was definitely like the overall culture a lot of them um i think i believe it was derek who even mentioned in one of at, at at a point in our interview was that that he could sorry i'm i'm stumbling over my words a little bit here he he would put something forth and like let an, a record exec know in Nashville um, and off the record, they'd be like, yeah, I totally agree with you, mm, but right. it's just not the market won't sustain this. And so, and 
Jennifer Jennifer's memoir too, like she she talked about the different things that were expected of a particular of a Christian musician in particular, and these sorts of uh, examples that they were supposed to have. Uh, and I do think it like definitely leads to a bit of burnout. And I do yeah. for a lot of these people, and I don't know what it's like now. But sort of within the the time frames that we're talking about, the popular artists of the time, um, I think they actually were able to to meet with, be met with a lot of success pretty quickly if they were able to break through, you know. Right. And for them, for there to be a combination of like a, of a level of success and recognition, and marry that with both a very constricted view and version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And the type of morality that you're supposed to have, as well as just the the capitalism that's inherent in music promotion mm-hmm. and music, right. music industry, um, it's sort of at odds with what you're supposedly singing about. Um, I don't know whether that's still the case anymore, uh, but but yeah, it, it is definitely something that that a lot of musicians have to to deal with because they, they, they probably feel um, really two-faced just because of the fact that this culture makes you sort of do that. Um, mm, right. Sort of talked about that and in other ways too, just even for people that aren't public figures. Um, you guys both went to Christian college, right? Is that? Yep. Okay. So like Christian college sort of turns everyone into a potential narc, right? So if you've got <laughs> like, and so anybody could be it's like literally sort of like big brother and you know anybody could could knock on you um and i'm mm-hmm. and i'm sure that for a public figure that sort of moral pressure that pressure to be perfect like even though it's a religion based on grace that's we all know that's not the lived experience of no. uh, things so that was a rambling answer to your question <laughs> no, that was great I mean, yeah, I think one of the th- one of the ways in which the sort of um, exvangelical um, approach and the kind of stuff that we explore here intersect is like that whole world, you know, what we often refer to as like the Christian bookstore alternate universe doesn't really exist anymore. It, it, it exists to like a much more sort of niche extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, but the fact that, you know, we've talked about this list that we got in youth group where it was like, if you like these secular <laughs> bands, then you'll like these punk bands. Just And then, you know, both the positive things that came from growing up in that specific scene and kind of like the sadness we feel a little bit at the idea that those like walls are totally blurred now that there's, I don't think as much of a thing as kids listening only to Christian music or only to secular music. But also on the flip side, the the trauma that that <laughs> caused and like the sort of alternate scene, the music, the culture being one aspect of that whole probably pretty unhealthy idea of siloing your whole experience apart from the culture. Um, right. So that kind of dovetails with what a lot of you explore in Exvangelical as far as like people sort of um, rebuilding or making sense of their faith in retrospect, realizing some of the ways that they were kind of traumatized by their church experience. So just to kind of pull back a little bit for folks who might not know, could you kind of talk about sort of the overall 
premise of the show and of the community that you've established and kind of some of the most meaningful things for people who found a home within that community? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, I, I just mentioned like Christian college. Um, so one of the, one of the things that sort of, um, was interesting to me over, over time was just seeing the way in which both myself and my friends and, and every, lots of people that I stayed in contact with even loosely, um, through things like Facebook, um, how we all sort of moved away from evangelicalism, um, mm-hmm. as we got older. Uh, and that was like understanding why that was. Um, and like, just to give a very, uh, truncated sort of history. Like I, I went to the UM church, went to a youth group that had a lot of evangelical overtones, went to, then felt like a call to ministry at the ripe old age of 17. Uh-huh. Um, and then went to, went to Christian college and then was dissuaded from, from ministry and had my first major crisis of faith. And, mm. um, but then still tried to engage within evangelicalism for like another 10 years um, after that on and off. Um, but there was this sort of steady progression away from that view of life. And so really what I, when I started the show, what I thought was like, okay, why don't we just have a, like these, these conversations about, about our lives and, and why led to our break with evangelicalism um, and where are we now? And not necessarily um, dictating that someone remain a Christian um, or anything like that, but rather just trying to give voice to that experience um, and validate that choice mm-hmm. to leave. Um, because a lot of, that one of the main the main things that people talk about is that it's really um it can be really isolating to leave um uh-huh. and because because your whole life is wrapped up in this group um whenever you decide to leave a lot of times you lose that entire social support network right um right away uh, i mean there's even a term for it i don't know if you guys have heard it but it's called holy ghosting right (laughs) you know like when you're when everyone you knew just stops calling you because you stopped going to their their church um and that's really painful um and traumatic and in addition to all these things like yes we've we've gotten married or we've had adult relationships um long-term relationships uh anything like that um and they clearly are at odds with the sort of purity culture and other things that people experienced um, and sort of as the show went on and, and found an audience, um, it really started to help people to know that there were other people that have had these experiences and have chosen to leave and have found some other type of affirming um, way of life. Uh, and so that that's sort of at the, the center of the show. Yeah. Um, and then... Like there has been different different groups that have grown out of it. Um, there at at one time there was a, a pretty active Twitter community uh, that's died down a bit after uh, stuff I don't really care to get into. Um, I moderate a Facebook group with over six thousand members, um, wow. and there's people in there talking all day every day about um, different aspects of what it what it's like to deconstruct. Yeah. Um, 
and just try to share stories. Um, I have other things like, and I, I could go on and on, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, because, because uh, I think it's important, um, and I do think exvangelical as a term means something very specific. Um, mm. But that's just just me and and sort of what I've invested in it, and also the way in which people respond to it, um, which can mm. sometimes be. Uh, initially negative, which is understandable because it's X, but to me, right. it, it's, it defines that prior relationship like ex-girlfriend or ex-husband. Um, sure. Yeah. And not, but, yeah, but it, it's yeah. also, it's also descriptive in a way that kind of gets to the point, you know, like there's so many, um, when I went, started going through my, my, my spiritual and, evangelical deconstruction about seven mm-hmm. years ago. Um, I mean, when I started learning all these different terms and, and like atheist or non-theist or post-Christian or, you know, um, or the, the most cringy of them all bright, um, you know, there are just so <laughs> many different ways of saying like, I have, I'm going through or I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to define uh, myself in a different term now. And right. Um, but yeah, I think ex evangelical is specific. It, it, to me, it, it's like this, a particular kind of faith that you adhered to um, right. versus like somebody who, if you say atheist, that doesn't really say much because people um, can grow up non-religious and just be atheist. And, and that doesn't really say anything about your former or, uh, or anything that you may have believed or not believed. Um, right. It just is specific to um, a non-belief in, in any gods, but like, um, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm somebody who has been very much in a reconstruction for, uh, you know, past, three years or so mm-hmm. and and something that um one of your guests uh pete holmes um who is one of my um podcast heroes and just yeah. p- personal heroes in general sure. i i i i have the deepest of of respect for him and how he approaches these kinds of uh topics and um and as somebody, somebody who, I'm speaking of myself, somebody who tries to live and operate in in a evangelical, non-theistic way, but at the same time, someone like Pete who considers himself Christ-leaning without right. necessarily being a Christian, and mm-hmm. like, like I, in some ways, like I think of myself as a Richard Rorian atheist, you know, like this, this, like the looking at things in a non-dualistic way mm-hmm. and, and, you know, something that Pete and, and, and Richard Rohr talk about, like the isness, you know, this, this thing that we have and this life that we have and this thing that, that we have, it exists right now that we're part of and, and that sort of that mm-hmm. sort of approach to thinking about faith is far more uh, compelling and interesting to me than 
saying, then like stopping the conversation at, no, I don't, I don't believe in God. I think it's all dumb. And it's like, yeah, I I think that can be, it can dehumanize people while I acknowledge that faith itself can be dehumanizing. Um, and the way evangelicals can treat, can treat people as, you know, you'd mentioned when you leave, when you leave a faith, you lose that community instantly. And for a lot of people, which is why I'm I'm glad that you have your kind of your community is that, uh, for some people, especially young people leaving a faith can be not, it, it can be unsafe and it can be, um, you know, it can be depending on their family situation, it would be inadvisable. So I think in the, in yeah. situations like, um, that having an internet, um, connection with, with a group of people, uh, who they can right. depend on or rely on for their, um, their deconstruction. I think that can be, Right. Super, super important. And that was important for me before I, I decided to share anything publicly because I was scared. Yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was yeah. afraid. And that's, that's totally legitimate. And I think that's, that's a lot of people's experience. Um, it was clearly, you know, you resonate with that. And, and it, that is such a vulnerable thing to, like, we're sort of conditioned to not share our disagreements um even if they are within even with the, when they're within the confines of like the christian faith um yeah. and so um so yeah i i it has been really rewarding to see that response and be able to to create a sort of public resource um for for those particular conversations because right. um you know the there the reason why podcasting works for conversations like this and there's lots of other podcasts in this space now too um uh you know the liturgists have been doing it forever um and then there as there's like the life after which is geared specifically more more specifically towards atheism Mm -hmm. um uh which i don't know if they'll totally agree with that but um but a, a a lot of their focus is on is on that um and then there's others too like the airing of grief which Derek Webb did with right right um, and I, and this medium allows for a lot of nuance, um, and to sort of go back to what I was saying about the term, it is specific. Um, and for me, I think, uh, one of the strengths of it is that it doesn't provide some new theology that it's not one size fit all. That's a feature, not a bug to me. Um, so it, if, if it has any sort of theology at all, it's, um, an apophatic theology, which just means that it describes what it is by defining what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is not evangelical. It does not. Um, and, but it does affirm queer people. It does affirm people who are now non-believers. It does. Um, it does, you know, affirm women, uh, all of those different things that are denied in evangelicalism, um are affirmed um and evangelicalism itself is sort of repudiated but that doesn't mean that like someone whose experience is at least like uh partially ex-evangelical or whatever um that doesn't mean that they can't develop a new faith or something like that and that doesn't mean that some other person who finds 
is that some new faith, unreasonable or unpalatable, can't also resonate with the term. Um, it's not supposed to be like there's a uh, there's a term that I learned um, called a total institution. Have you guys heard that term before? No. Mm-hmm. It basically just it it refers to high high demand religious groups um, that try to have a totalizing experience on your social and mental life. Mm-hmm. So white evangelicalism fits that bill. Mormonism fits that bill. Other other forms of faith do as well, but those are the ones that are most relatable to like white evangelicals. Um, and like ex-evangelical, I don't, I don't have that desire. I'm not like, okay, this is how you have to live your life. Right. Or this is what you have to believe. This is, it's more about acknowledging the sorts of uh, shared cultural experiences we have. Like, yeah. Yep. Like exactly what you guys talk about on your show, like this deep, meaningful, formative musical experience. Um, like when you talk to other people who have that experience, that means something. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's important. Um, but it doesn't mean that you sacrifice your individuality um, <laughs> to, right. in order to, to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. So um that that's something too that um i find uh as somebody who identifies as a agnostic atheist uh who came from a very evangelical background uh there is a a language that you that former evangelicals or ex-evangelicals uh there's a there's an understanding as opposed to like you know somebody who just grew up atheist who's like yeah you might share like a non-belief in god but all of that other stuff all of the language all of the uh all of the theology and like sort of those like sort of like inside baseball stuff that right. you just understand right away you're like oh yeah i grew up in this evangelical church and then you instantly can kind of like understand how to navigate each other's past because you're like, I get it. You instantly kind of get where that person is coming from. And, and that to me, like in a weird way, I find that I can still have a lot in common with people who are either part of a liberal Christianity or um, than I do necessarily with people who identify as atheists or like hard atheists, you know, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And that is part, that's part of my reconstruction and it's, it's not super, it's not always easy. It's because there's, yeah. Cause like sort of like the horseshoe theory of like politics of like the right wing and left wing, like the far right wing and the far left wing acting very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like when weaponizing like identity politics, like you have trans turfs or trans exclusionary right. radical feminists right. on the left and like, you know, uh, white supremacists on the right. Right. Um, but they, they use the same tactics. I, you, there's a religious, uh, similarity when you have like sort of atheist fundamentalists yeah and then 
Christian fundamentalists. Like they, they sort of have that same bro energy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's an, that's an energy that we, we (laughs) regularly (laughs) talk about. We're like, Getting uh, getting some of this uh, awkward male energy or this bro <laughs> energy that we're just not feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's and it's sort of like the both of those groups, like like atheist groups online, um, and like fundamentalist groups, they're sort of getting smaller and smaller because that the only thing they'll accept is that bro energy. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that you talked about earlier was like. Um, you know, the difficulties within the Christian music industry of taking aim at the culture itself, even if Mm -hmm. personally people agreed with that, there was kind of this, you know, pressure in part from the capital to be gained by keeping that pressure up to maintain like a status quo, a certain, um, we only do things by this specific kind of book type of way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, something we've talked a lot about, um, with both MXPX and Five Iron, but specifically this season, is how much Five Iron were meaningful to us specifically because they felt unique for regularly putting like that culture or the Christian music industry sort of in their crosshairs. Um, mm-hmm. And that was always a part of them from the beginning, but it's interesting, your experience with them is kind of like the opposite of mine, where I was really into the early stuff, the nineties ska forward stuff. And then by the time of the kind of early two thousands, I was starting to tune out a little bit because it was a little more, I don't know, rock with horns or right. emo adjacent, um, yeah. which wasn't a scene I was as much into. So, but it's interesting that um, that's kind of when you started getting into them. And then, you know, when, we talked about you coming on the show. You're like, let me know when you get into brave St. Saturn, <laughs> got some hot takes on uh, space for about five and whether he's still alive. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you talk a little bit about like why this record was one that stood out to you? Uh, you know, I think it, I, I'm a sucker for like a concept album. Mm-hmm. And, oh, like, yeah. and like this, this album, the, like I knew this album before I knew um, like Pedro Lyons winners never quit or control. So, you know, but for, but for whatever reason I mentioned that I was, I had this friend uh, that was into more like prog rock and classic rock. Right. He was into, so he introduced me to like rush. So, you know, right around this time I learned about the 2112 album, Uh Uh, you know, Tommy's and the who's Tommy. Um, and then like, here comes this, this like, uh, sort of emo, I know it's not emo, that's not the right genre, but it's what I mean by that is that it's very, just a, like emotionally fraught. Yeah. Like surprise, surprise. I was an anxious, uh, (laughs) anxious, introspective, um, evangelical sort. Right. And for whatever, you know, I sort of (laughs) had this, uh, it, there were different tracks that I, I just, I really like the production of it. Um, and I really like the, the different interludes that they have. Um, Space Robot is a great, it, it's not the first track, but it's the, it's like the first song. And I always like a really strong first song on an album. 
Um, yeah. Like, uh, for whatever reason, um, and it, some of the examples that come to mind aren't aren't Christian ones. Um, though I do think um, Mission 316 has a pretty solid intro because it's got the the little PA thing going on <laughs> uh-huh. from the from the plane. Right. Um, but but yeah, this this album. Um, aside from the the five minute walk thing that's like <laughs> in the middle of it, but even even that, like you could tell they were sort of being smart asses about it, right? Yeah, like that's uh, <laughs> that's that's the low point of the album for me. I'll just put that out there now. Um, we're yeah, there. Uh, we're talking uh, talking Shadow of Death over here. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. correct. <laughs> um, yeah, that. That's I was I was so, listening to it today and. Yeah, it's really bad. Like it's just <laughs> super bad. So, um, so I before we get into the record, um, so I don't, I don't think we specifically even mentioned this or asked you to do this, but uh, we always do for the records. We always do a top three. I don't know if you, if you know, like off the top of your head, like when once we get into the record, like and we'll listen to the songs. Um, if you uh have a top three or maybe like um if that'd be something you you'd be able to have when once we start listening yeah um i do i really do like space for about five um yeah. well, we, well let's oh, we, wait. You don't, oh, wait. To, don't do it yet i'm sorry not just yet not just sorry. yet <laughs> sorry 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 <laughs> but i just wanted i just wanted to throw that out there i think i i did i think i have my three actually okay so. awesome awesome well i want before we do that i i do have i do have um a question that i just um because we do you know because we're um you know we have some listeners that are certainly Christian and are, I, I imagine many would identify as evangelical. Um, I just want to uh, get your feeling about, um, would you encourage, is, is your uh, podcast a space for people of faith and no faith to engage in the community? Uh, do you have Christian listeners? How, how, how do people of faith engage with your podcast? Sure. That's a great question. Um, I, I do welcome people of faith to, uh, to listen to the show and I welcome evangelicals to listen to, uh, because I think that they have an opportunity to learn, um, different, different things relative to lots of people's experiences within evangelicalism and, and white evangelicalism in particular, as I've gotten, as I've continued to do the show, I've, learned to be more specific with my language. Um, I think that evangelicals of color um, have a very different experience within their own uh, evangelical traditions and churches, as well as in predominantly white spaces. Um, Like Austin Channing Brown has a wonderful book about that very topic. Yes, Uh, my buddy. (laughs) So, um, but back to your question. Um, Yes, I, I I do talk to people that still identify as Christian, even if they no longer identify as evangelical. Um, there is definitely no, the show has a point of view. And that point of view is that the white evangelical church um, has systematically marginalized a lot of people um, throughout its history. And it does look at that directly. Um, and it does, and it is not, pro-evangelical in any way really 
uh, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but nonetheless, it's valuable because it reflects a lot of people's lived experience. Um, that one of the things that you'll find after listening through multiple episodes is a lot of patterns of um, you know women being marginalized through purity culture, yeah. through complementarian theology, um, uh, LGBTQ plus people um, not being yep. affirmed, uh, yep. people of color uh, experiencing racism. Like whenever you whenever you tally all these things up, it's it becomes difficult to ignore. Um, and to me, the evangelical perspective has a lot of sway publicly. Um, if you look at the top 200 religion and spirituality podcasts um, in the United States on Apple Podcasts, like so many of them, probably likely the majority, and that's changed since I've started, but so many of them are evangelical. Um, evangelicals control the White House. Um, they have yeah, direct right. influence over our president. Um, they, uh, and I'm, I'm sure this is probably as a political show, but no, we, no, uh, we like do. It's just sort of we do. <laughs> just indicating it's <laughs> it's indicating the way in which um, evangelicalism it has already has a seat at the table. Right. Um, yep. My yep. my goal is really just to to let to ask the questions to people who haven't, and I totally recognize my own sort of. Uh, my own privilege and the fact that, you know, if I, as a, as a white guy can't, can't succeed while like, you know, disagreeing over complementarianism, then what chance does someone else with less privilege have? Um, yeah. And I think that's indicative of the situation that white evangelicalism finds itself in um, and needs to reckon with. So yes, I encourage people and because it's there to encourage people who have either found a different way to live a life of faith or have found a way to begin to process the trauma they experienced within a religious within a religious tradition and move forward with either some new reconstructed religious practice or with none at all, whatever is healthy for them um, to tie it all up neatly. One of my, sort of go-to phrase is wholeness over holiness. Mm -hmm. I prefer well, that people be uh, emphasized that, that their fellow human beings are whole over being holy by whatever metric you want to have. So, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Super into that. Um, so everybody should um, check out the Exvangelical podcast. Um, fascinating conversations yes um, sign up at post evangelical post.com yeah i nailed it yeah you got it <laughs> yeah. puns man they're my thing yes yes <laughs> we understand <laughs> yeah thanks so much for for talking about the stuff and we're we're very excited that you're sticking around for the rest of this nonsense as well so. <laughs> yeah sure thing. let's uh <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break when we come back um john and i and blake are gonna talk Brave St. Saturn's So Far From Home. Mm -hmm. All right.
<laughs> and we're back. Yeah. And we uh, Blake is still with us. We're talking Brave Saint Saturn. <laughs> we're talking so far from home. Um, uh, so I take it that, uh, Blake, you and I are the only, probably the only ones that had this album around the time when it came out since John is evidently a hater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I did have it when it, when it came out and yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, this was not, it was on my radar in the sense that I knew that it existed, but I think I was already kind of feeling pretty mixed on all the hype, which came out just before this. And then I heard a little bit of this and I was like, I think they're in a lane that I can't fully follow them into they're on right a, now. They're on a journey and you can't, you can't go yeah, on that journey they're, with them. They're on a journey through space and I wish that I could be the robot in their spaceship, but I have to stay back on earth. Um, no, I don't know. I, yeah, this, uh, they formed in 99 um, and this is Reese on vocals and guitar, Keith on bass, uh, Dennis on background vocals, bass and guitar, switching it up. And then Andy joined for the second album in 03, right? Yeah. So this is, this is what's, this is what's curious about this record is that it, it reminds me a little bit of Roper because uh, you look at the, uh, that you look at the the people who are on that are credited on, on each track yep. and and then you look at the people that are in the band like you just said uh reese keith and dennis but they're not keith and dennis are not on the tracks okay Interesting. Uh, yeah so you you get a lot of uh jeff scott Camp- scott is on there Jeff Campatrelli doing yeah. like pretty much all of the drums and percussion. Andy yeah. Andy does some drums some on, of a f- them. on on a few of the songs. Yeah. Um, but in like Misaki is on here too. Um, and strings. Yeah, yeah, strings and guitar. Uh, Mike Busby is on keyboard. Um, so it, it reminds me a little bit of Roper that like the people that recorded it or maybe wrote it aren't the same people that are going to be like maybe performing it. Yeah. 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 Right. I guess the core was, was those three five yeah. guys. Then eventually Andy as well. You're right. Um, don't forget yeah. about Micah on turntables and <laughs> Frank Tate on what the liner notes called uh, mad, mad rap, rap skills. skills, which is uh, Bummersville. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll get there. Everybody, everybody get on the bummer, get on at Bummersville station. Yeah, we're going to, Yik- we're, we're going to Yikesville. <laughs> it's a, it's planet Yikes and you have to take the spaceship to get there. Um, but yeah, I, so this, uh, I mean, yes, like, similar so we're in the stretch of episodes where we're going through sort of spin-offs and side projects and this is sort of like roper which we covered last week in the sense of a different direction than five iron allowed for but this is much more sort of um, acoustic guitar driven piano and strings uh, a little more operatic and poppy you know blake you talked about being drawn to it this like overarching concept album idea so this is the first of three records they would do the saturn five trilogy um and you know from what i understand that the next two are much more sort of um explicit about tying into those themes whereas this is kind of that's sort of a loose overarching concept um right yeah it's It's those those interstitial tracks and everything that that tie it together it's not 
it's not like a continuous story in that right. in that regard. Right. Yeah, kind of using space as a metaphor for depression and isolation mainly, <laughs> I think is the vibe. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> which is which cool. Is... It's a it's a it's a vibe. <laughs> and as a as a as a four on the Enneagram, I mm. I can very much relate to all of that. <laughs> so <laughs> I am vibe I am vibing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. If you would like a deeper Enneagram deep dive, uh Exvangelical has some excellent uh podcast episodes about that topic. <laughs> yes. Check them out. Yeah. Two, um, two two episode uh series because the first episode just breaks down the stuff and then they type me in the second episode. What uh five. you're five? Is that what yeah. you said? I'm a five with a four wing, though sometimes okay. I wonder I'm I I do process things sort of uh, emotionally so sometimes i wonder if i'm the the opposite um hmm. but yeah i think a you're that. a space robot five with a space robot four <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> nailed it yeah great joke nailed uh, it. <laughs> anyway um yeah it's definitely <laughs> it's very yeah it's very in its feels as an album um you know it's yeah oh, so yeah. i will just say like so this is around the time of Reese's uh, breakup with his fiance, which is also referenced on all the hype. And that really shows here. I think Um, there's also uh, the death of his grandmother was something that happened that was significant, which he alludes to um, a couple times at least. Um, But yeah, I was just going to say, so this is released uh, June 20th, 2000 on five minute walk. Misaki Liu and Frank Tate uh, involved again, as we said, um, but yeah, it's crazy that all the hype came out in April. This came out in June and we were already talking about how wild it is that they were doing one album a year just as one band. And now they're right. doing multiple albums a year, basically the same people. Um, right. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of stuff they were working on. Well, but <laughs> let's, uh, I want to give a little bit of context to this. Sure. Um, yes. So our uh, shadow producer, Jason, yeah. uh, from Unoriginal Vinyl, um, left us a voicemail to give a little bit of context to this band, to some of the songs and what was, what came, what was leading up to this record. Okay. Hey guys, it's Jason, uh, unoriginal vinyl shadow producer. I wanted to talk to you for a minute about astronaut, the band that became brave St. Saturn. So, uh, astronaut started in about 1997 I saw them play at the Vision Festival in Castle Rock, Colorado. At that time, I was in a band, and we played with all sorts of local Denver bands. And Astronaut was Reese's uh, sort of scum-of-the-earth, church-related acoustic project. They had not played a single show. They played it about 10 in the morning, and it was a bunch of sort of emo-y acoustic songs that Reese had been dabbling with (coughs) around the time that our newest album ever was being written. And I remember thinking that Astronaut was really good and really creative. At that time, I think maybe it was Keith and uh, Reese and Andy, and that might have been it. There's a chance Dennis might have played, a, but it was just sort of like this um, mismatch of like maybe a 20-minute set. And as it turns out, I don't think Brave St. Saturn played more than five shows in their history total most of which were in the Colorado market. Uh, You can find the astronaut demo song, 229, 
on the Mana to Go compilation soundtrack on 5280 Records. Uh, 50 spelled out like with letters and then 280. This was a local Denver-based comp, uh, you know, and little record label that that sort of um, showcased the bands of the time that we used to play with all the time, the Frady Cats, who were from Greeley, Colorado, uh, on Bulletproof Records, Co-Pilot, who was the Till Brothers band. Uh, the Till Brothers were, uh, you know, eventually Stephen Till married Leonore from Five Iron. Um, local bands like Trump Mother Jones, who were another local ska band. Most infamously, Rackets and Drapes, who were a Marilyn Manson knockoff. <laughs> Uh, literally okay. in the Christian scene, they were the only band sound alike and look alike who wanted to mimic the Marilyn Manson antichrist uh, a sonic and look alike sound. So um, I think that the Man to Go soundtrack volume two, uh, it might have been volume one, I can't remember exactly, but it definitely had an astronaut song toward the end, a demo. And I definitely remember that the astronaut set consisted of them playing in those sort of spacesuits you see on the back of So Far From Home. I hope that this is insightful in some way to the beginnings of the band. I don't even call it a band, but it was an amazing side project. And it's one of my favorite things in the entire world. So more on that later. Okay. Fascinating insight. <clears throat> yes. So I before I talked to Jason yesterday about this, I had never heard of 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 astronaut or yeah, astronauts i think they're mentioned on the wikipedia but i didn't know anything beyond that being sort of the precursor right and uh 229 is a song that would eventually become a brave saint saturn song right um and uh there's another song so jason sent me a couple songs uh albatross and 229 which was essentially a demo of the brave saint saturn song mm-hmm. um but I, <laughs> I i i am fascinated by the uh the ta- one of the takeaways from that that voicemail is the Marilyn Manson uh, oh, yeah. band. I'm Googling that, <laughs> them right now. <laughs> well, but also you got to think contextually uh, in that time, a Marilyn Manson band in Colorado uh, yeah. in the late 90s. Right, right. That, it's kind of fraught. That's very curious. But yeah. I just was unaware of any super gothy Christian band. So this <laughs> is uh, really blowing my mind. Yeah. Oh, man. But... Like Christian metal is not, it's not metal is somewhat associated with goth. Um, I'm not very, I'm not very good with, with very specific genres. I'll be honest, guys. I might be a little <laughs> out of my depth in that regard. Um, but, but like, I have seen articles about how like Skillet is one of the, on, the only like metal bands left that still tours. Oh, interesting. And they draw crowds because like people just want metal music. Yeah. They, so anyway. Andrew's a big metal guy. I am a huge metal fan. Huge, huge, huge. Um, didn't John, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the, the guitar player from Skillet play with, with Mike W. Smith or I was vaguely familiar. I thought yeah. that that was one of the guys that the guitar players that, uh, played with Smitty when we saw them last year. That's, that's very <laughs> possible. I um, cause I remember, I, deny. I remember some serious shredding. <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar, actually. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, 
Do you, is there any more context, John, that you want to give, or can, do you want to listen to a couple of these, uh, just uh, some of these astronaut demos? Sure. Yeah, let's hear some of that. All right, let's listen to Albatross. This is, I don't know how, how you can listen to this and be like, yeah, I'm into it. And then listen to Brave St. Saturn and be like, beep, 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 beep. I'm not really into it. I mean, that's a good impression. But I do think like the album itself is a little more straightforward and this feels a little funkier. I don't know. Like, I like, uh, the, I like the instrumental parts more I like. Than, uh, yeah, I mean the the lyrics are interesting. <laughs> the, the lyrics the lyrics are not some of Reese's finest work. It's kind of an interesting. I can't tell if it's it's a fine line between like the Christian persecution thing and the like sort of satirizing the negative connotations of the culture. So, I don't know. Um I need to really dive into Albatross before I can give my hot take, but have I, you, know, I thought have, it was kind of an interesting interest, <laughs> instrumental thing happening there. Um have you have you guys heard that that song parked by the lake out outside santa fe i don't think so (laughs) okay (laughs) all right it's it's uh it's this it's this parody country song uh parked out by the lake and uh and it's just it's just the guy saying you know like i'm parked out by the lake the lake outside santa fe if you need me, you know I'm by the lake outside. San- he just keeps like repeating yeah, yeah, yeah. the same thing over and over sure. and over again. That's and kind of this vibe. It's it's funny. It, it's it's funny as hell. You should you should check it out. But right. um, but it's like it's like uh, it's an albatross around my neck. <laughs> sure. You yeah, might yeah. think it's a cross, but no, it's <laughs> it's an albatross. It's sure. an albatross. Yeah. And it's just like yeah, we I got you said that um, right. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just really not, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel it going anywhere. Yeah, no, that's why I was like, where's, where's the course? Yeah. Um, okay. How different is this 229? Um, it definitely more stripped down. Yeah, I'm into this. I like the bleeps and bloops. 
Which is why I don't know why you're not into this record. There's lots of keys and bleeps and bloops. <laughs> See, I like this. This is cool. Let's get Mike on this on this track. No one told me it was gonna rain today. Just I turned my face down from the sky. Something broke inside my heart today. Christmas presents on the day she died. Things in boxes never mentioned. Broken things I never hear. Mother said for me to give it time. Tonight I cannot help but cry. February 29. You know, I I think they improved on that. I mean, I will say without spoiling anything that that is one of my preferred songs on the album. Um, Fascinating. <laughs> and I think they keep that <laughs> general vibe enough um, that it, I like it there too. But I kind of, again, I kind of like the rawness of that sound. I don't know. You but, would. <laughs> this is going to be you would. an interesting episode. Let's, uh, <laughs> should we is, dive in? This is going to be, this is, this is Arthur... Watch yes. the years crawl by <laughs> all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be... Uh, are you familiar be... with Arthur Blake? Arthur, the TV show? Uh, <laughs> not, not much. I find him very great. <laughs> oh, man. I wish that I was talking about the Aardvark. Um, I'm talking about MXPX had like a spin-off band called Arthur that was much more emo that Andrew and I came to blows over. So. All right, so... <laughs> Um, already controversy over the two demos. Uh, this is going to be this is going to be fascinating. Our last Let's, episode. <laughs> yeah, um, we almost. We, it was a good I, run, guys. I almost canceled yeah, the thanks. pod over Arthur. So, right. Um, because we're just going. <laughs> All right. Let's just let's just get into it. Let's start first track prologue. I dig this. This might be like my favorite song on the album. <laughs> it's atmospheric, you know, it sets the tone. I love it. I'm into it. Hit me with those robot books. Here they come. another time um into it i am very very much into (laughs) this song this intro i think it perfectly uh introduces this concept of a space uh concept album with the robot and the sort of ethereal sounding 
uh, keys and whatever. It's just, I, I, I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish the like spacey weirdness would have stayed as consistent. Like, I don't know. It, this feels like what I was expecting the album to sound like. And then a lot of it kind of sounds like uh, matchbox 20. Uh, <laughs> But we'll, wow. we'll get it. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but no, I, I'm really into this. Also, do we know that this is an ELO cover? Is it? It is. Um, I did not know that. This was a a prelude or a prologue um, on an ELO record, which we know already. That Reese is a fan of. Yeah. Um, and this uh, is inspired the direction of the band, so they wanted to include it. So that's wow. interesting. I did not know that. Yep. Like uh, word for word. It sounds pretty much the same too. Um, How do they get away with that? It's a cover. Okay. Yes, it's a cover. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the song that it leads into sounds very different from Space Robot 5 on the ELO record. Um, So anyway. Um, Well, um, I want to play the end of the prologue because I think the intro into Space Robot 5. Robot Five, and it is definitively my number one. Easily, my number one. Also mine. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's unanimous. Like that was right. that's on my that's definitely my top three. And okay. I don't think my other my other two um, don't 
don't really compare. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the um, drums, the tightness. Yeah, the drums are cool. Of uh, it, just like the do 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 shigudugu. The the yeah. intro is just it's it's undeniable. It's I you know the the I don't know what it is like the it's just so tight and pulled forward the drum sound. Right. It it I it's it's, it's so different than yeah yeah. Yeah, than their usual stuff. I mean, the intro sounds kind of like Radiohead's OK Computer drums, um, which is very much my wheelhouse. Right. And I'm fully on board for that. And I love the chorus. The verse feels a little like, I want to push you around. Well, I will. Well, <laughs> no. I will. Like, I just, I once they go to that pop rocky place, I can't really get on board with that part. But I like the yeah. rest. I I really like the just all the the different touches on that that whatever that sound is. I don't know what the instrument is, but that oh yeah yeah it's the best and like, the, like synthy keys the synths yeah. and and everything on that on the chorus. Um, yeah, I don't know just the 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 um what's what's the 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 name of the the android Marvin the paranoid android from right, right. Hitchhiker's Guide. It's very yeah, much yeah. in that vein, you know? Right, right, um, right. And just this d- depressed character. Did you guys ever see the Hitchhiker's Guide movie? Where mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, where uh, now I'm blanking on the actor's name. Isn't it Alan Rickman who does this? Yes, yeah, Alan yeah. Rickman. He, he voices the... the he's, a good, he's a good choice for the, for the character, yeah. Alan Rickman uh, was a good choice yeah. for just about everything. That's true, he's the best. Yeah, so... So anyways, that's the vibe the vibe of the, the song is just like weirdly melancholy and like you yeah. feel bad for this this <laughs> robot alone yeah. in space. Yeah, he can't cry. Do you think <laughs> I mean we, we sort of alluded to the space being kind of a uh allegory for right. loneliness, depression, uh isolation, mm-hmm. and we kind of get a f- sense that this is Reese. Yes. Uh, post Christie. The, the robot is Reese post Christie. Yes, I believe that is the case. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't know any of the the backstory just because I uh, I wasn't like a, a super fan. Was this public knowledge at the? Do you remember? Yeah. Or. I mean, so there's, he, yeah. There's, <laughs> well, there's a there's a song um, on all the hype. Uh, all the all the hype ugly day. Yeah, do you remember that song? Oh, um, yeah, I remember that. Song. Yeah, so he, he even says like, "Christy, Christy, I miss you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly about that, but I think it's pretty clear that he is sort of a stand-in, or at least the narrator is for this robot, like tapping into your emotions through a robot in space who misses his lady on Earth and prays to his maker, <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I think that's what the vibe is. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting that like kind of how Roper was power pop mode Reese. This is sort of the other strand of pop rock songwriting that he went in. Like, um, would you say uh, it's three strands of wire or what? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> amplify it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm less. I'll just say this: I like the song. We all agree it's a jam. Um, the direction that he takes this strand of pop songwriting is is less for me than the Roper strand. So anyway, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But it, 
is it is a, a great lead-in song totally. um and it just it, it's very it's a tight song just very very good yeah Fact. i like Fact. it a lot um let's move on to another song about christy uh <laughs> independence day can the president count on anything in the immediate future yes <clears throat> second of may we'll have an american up on the second of may is my number two me too oh shit <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah i'm i'm fully into this song i i alluded this to this on a previous episode um that i think this is the uh in terms of songs that are about christy right uh, the biting the lip thing yeah yeah this yeah but not not only that but just that he's um are you guys getting this feedback? I'm just hearing this again in my in my headphones. If are you no, hearing anything? Uh, okay. I mean, okay. So one option would be you could sort of give a brief sort of like here's your thoughts about your favorites or some of your least favorites, <laughs> and then we stop trying sure. to make this happen if it can't, or we can yeah. try again. Whatever works well for you. Okay. So I I just want to. I want to talk about five minute walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the next song you guys, uh, so we're having some technical difficulties, so yeah. I'm just going to probably drop off and let you guys finish, finish this part of the show. Um, yeah. but some, some closing thoughts, space about five is my, my favorite. Um, and then the, my two other favorite songs are, uh, register or resistor i'm not sure how you say it resistor um, yeah and resistor um and uh under bridges um interesting interesting so resistor like i was actually listening to it today and thinking how i 
back when I was in high school and listening to this, I probably related to Reese's point of view of like lamenting for a sister who's mm. not really Christian anymore or whatever. And now I like feel for the sister in the song and being like, just, just chill out, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. just, be, just be cool. And sure. uh, um, so like, it was interesting to have that sort of um, that perspective switch. Um, sort of similar to, I don't know if you guys know the song um, by Bazan called The Fleecing. Of course, yes. He, how he like changes, he, he wrote the song for Achilles' heel and then uh, he re-recorded it for uh, his string quartet album. Right. And he changed the bridge at the end. Yeah. Um, and that it's sort of like, I, to me, it reminded me of that and how like things in life change and your perspective changes and he actually yeah. straight up just updated the lyrics right um but for me it was that and then under bridges um just going back to like what five iron and and he did five iron did well and what um reese does well as a lyricist is like use writing imagery that's not common and or wasn't common at the time yeah um like about sort of a Christian perspective that's not strictly evangelical or Republican or whatever. Right. Um, and I think that that came, comes across really well in that song. It's like a super intense song too. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's not, uh, it's definitely not like a laid back, like ska song. Um, <laughs> right. But again, you know, I, I remember like the, some of the song, the five iron songs that stick out to me a lot of times are, like uh, um, whichever one that's about Native Americans on Electric Boogaloo where he just starts out by screaming, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, The Day We Killed Crazy Horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, The yeah. Day We Killed Crazy Horse. Like that one's super intense. And I actually like when he goes for it like that. Yes, oh, same. <laughs> Very, the same, big time. Just, just because, I, and again, like I, I sort of missed the Scott slash swing moment in, sure. in, um, in music, so... Um, it was more like it was overall like five iron stuff that I think John, you said it, it's like a pop with horns. Right. It's sort of like in that vein, some of five iron stuff is, is similar to cake, but like Reese's voice is an octave higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Uh, Cause it's sort of sing talky and stuff. Yeah. Um, but getting back to brief Saint Saturn, those are my three favorites. Um, okay. So yeah, and uh, you guys are in for a real treat in the next part <laughs> with Shadow of Death. Um, <laughs> it's a and... shame that we we can't have your live commentary <laughs> for that one. It's it's real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. It's it's real real bad. Uh, <laughs> yes. Hashtag cringe. <laughs> yeah. Would you yep. say? Uh, Planet Yikes. Yeah. This, yes. planet yikes. <laughs> this 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 so. firmly plants the flag in the in the planet yikes uh, <laughs> creators. So and it's uh it's it's and it's also within the uh the oof galaxy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yes, it's oh man, it's real bad. Real bad. Well so. like Thank you so much for giving so much time tonight. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry that it's been weird and glitchy, but we were it's okay. it glad happens. to have you for a long time anyway. So thank you, my, thank you very much, John and Andrew. I, it was a we're pleasure. So being glad, here. so glad to have you. <laughs> Everybody, check out the Evangelical Podcast and 
the post evangelical post. Post evangelical post. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. All right, Blake. Night, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right. So after some technical difficulties, I'm sure everybody maybe was noticing a little bit of that, but uh, thanks again to Blake for joining us. Uh, John, we have to, um, uh, our, our journey into space continues. <laughs> we're just, we're just blasting off here. We just, we just um, blast off. We're just, we're just getting out of earth's atmosphere. <laughs> you were talking about, uh, how this is another Christie song. This is another Christie song. Um, and yeah, I had mentioned in a previous, the previous podcast about the whole, like you're biting your lip now. I know because you do it all the time. Right. Um, but that I think this as a Christie song, as a breakup song, uh, as a sad boy re song, uh, way in my book is like a way head and shoulders above uh, "Ugly Day." I just think this song oh, yeah, rules the the piano part. Um, it's just it's just it's great, and like also sort of the uh, a gospely vocals too. Like, yeah, I'm into it. I really like the Dennis kind of ooh, ah, ooh the background yeah. vocals those are cool um yeah i i like it fine until it gets to the chorus and then i'm like oh like this this is what's up like the melody of the chorus those minor chords that it gets into there yeah um but yeah and it's also like again that 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 sad boy reese vibe i mean he's the lyrics are literally waiting every day staring at the phone jesus christ i feel so empty and alone <laughs> it's like oh man that sounds sounds like a tough time um yeah. yes. and also yeah i'm glad you played the clip from the hbo series from the earth to the moon there yeah um <laughs> yeah i'm not sure which came first because they referenced the second of may and then he's saying that you know his in, or her independence day the second of may is when he lost his fiance so i'm like it would be a big coincidence if it actually happened to be that day. I'm assuming he sort of tied the things together, but you know, maybe it happened on May 2nd and he was reminded of the miniseries and he was like, you know, I'm going to start you know, a space rock you know, band. You know what I think, what I think it is, is I don't think it has, it's, I think what he's, when he's saying independence day, he's talking in my view, it's, he's talking about uh, obviously the breakup and their, their, their own independence from each other. But I also think about independence day as far as like, uh, leaving earth. Like it's a new kind of independence. We are venturing out into someplace new. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it, it's, I just think he's using that as the metaphor, but that, that would be a bizarre coincidence. (laughs) It would be. Um, yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're two for two here, even though we have different opinions about this album as a whole. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm very curious. What if we? What if we had a clean sweep? We've never had that before. I don't. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know if it's going to be. The I same. mean, I think we already. I think we already. Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> all right. Um, so we are. Uh, we are venturing out of space and into a shadowy yeah. dark place. Yo, I'm, I'm a crazy fresh, crazy fresh. So Crazy jerky boys, silly I think. fresh DJ Bam! Cradle rock style Yo. Yo Oh man, I love Dynamite Hack Yeah, very <laughs> similar vibes Now sit right back as I bust a rhyme I've got the freshest beats and I'm no. always on time I'm the no. baddest of the best Yeah, I'm the king Word, Word. 
step to me and you're gonna get dissed, homeboy Come into my crib Maybe we could chill I might cap somebody Or kick him in the grill I'm the DJ, he's a Yeah. <laughs> Not just yo, yet. Uh, yo, we gotta get yo. down. All right, so um, this. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so we we all know that Reese has uh, is predisposed to yeah. rapping and. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know why this was the uh, <laughs> the record that he decided. Maybe he just felt like I do. It just it doesn't fit. It doesn't no, fit. It, it doesn't fit does uh, the 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 theme. It doesn't fit the the story arc. <laughs> no, this is much sillier than anything else on here. Yeah, I mean, if anything, this this would should have been like on Roper or something else right. that was a little bit more cheesy and lighthearted right uh this this between between uh independence day and 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 resistor it's yeah, like it's weird yeah it's weird it's weird uh, you know to talk about like oh my fiance and i broke up uh, so anyway here's me talking about how i'm a dj and rapper and then <laughs> and then here's a song about like uh you don't love yourself but you're beautiful and i want to encourage you yeah i mean uh you know, I guess this is like their first um, turntable adjacent entire record. And so maybe they felt some freedom there or something. Um, but, you know, I've mentioned on the pod that I had an acoustic hip hop high school duo. <laughs> um, and this was kind of that vibe. Um, so, you know, I'm one to talk. But like, and I know this is supposed to be a joke, obviously, but like, come on. It gets so okay. Frank Tate, the music executive for Five Minute Walk, comes in to drop a verse. Um, I don't know if you want to play that. Or Absolutely. If we just wanna, okay. Yeah. Break it down. Oof. Well, my name is Frankie T, and I'm here to talk about the meaning of Five Minute Walk. Some say it's whack, some say it's ill. Myself, homeboy, thinks it's pretty chill. Turn off the TV, put down the phone. Go talk to JC and be alone. Talk to him five minutes a day. He won't wig out or get you played. He will not dish you in the end. In fact, JC's my freshest friend. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is, I want to say, I, I have a, a couple things I want to say. Yes. Um, so in the lyrics, I don't know why they put like every slang word uh -huh. in, in quotes. Oh boy. <laughs> Sit right back as I bust a quote unquote rhyme. I've got the <laughs> quote unquote freshest beats and I'm always on time. Um, it's like for come into emphasis. my quote crib maybe we could quote chill 
Makes like, it sound way more sexual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the master of beats, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, yeah, it's... Again, obviously supposed to be funny, but I'm just like, oh, this is... Yes, as Blake said, hashtag cringe. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's no gimme Christmas, I'll say that. No, definitely, definitely not. Th- the thing is, like, I, I, I have some fond memories of this song um, because... Back in in high school when this came out, uh, my cousin Holly and I, um, we would drive around. Like when I visit, I have these fond memories of us, me visiting her in Tennessee and us driving around, cranking Brave St. Saturn <laughs> Interesting. And, and rapping to the song. <laughs> and, um, but 20 years later, it's just like, oh, right. It is cringy as hell. <laughs> yeah. I'm not opposed to the whole Beastie Boys biting Run DMC vibe. Um, but but it's also like, hey, look, I'm a goofy white guy and I'm right. using these words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that's the joke. Right, right, exactly. You know, the joke is I'm going to cap somebody and kick him in the grill. That, the joke is that Get it's it? like <laughs> murder. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah and it's like but yeah i'm a white guy talking about a crib isn't that silly that is wild stuff people wild. well no i was born into affluence <laughs> um wah, yeah. wah. i think that's enough time to spend on that song <laughs> yeah uh let's move on to resistor well i will well i will <laughs> there Under 20,000 tons of brick and stone She carries all the weight of her own world And somewhere deep inside Beneath the cartilage and bone Beats a battered heart of one Little girl alone She is sweet like sugar But she is bitter like the broken sugar pot That says that she wants to be She only sees what she is not Disbeliever Underachiever Disconcerted with the way things look from here Disinclined in Disinterested Not making your world stays clear I like a lot about this song. Me too. Um, yeah. I, I think the message is overall, <laughs> I think it's sweet. Um, yeah. I do think that they're depending on how somebody wants to yeah. look at it, you know, you know, it's like, it could be patronizing or it could be like, you know, you're great and you could do what you want to do. And it just, and I just, it's, I just, I choose to see it as a, as a loving and encouraging song. Yeah, it's interesting um, that Blake was thinking of it as being patronizing, which I definitely can see, um, where it's just kind of like, hey, how about you just like leave me alone and let me live my life? <laughs> like, I get that. Right. Um, but I think that's especially interesting because a song that we'll get to, well, uh, 
you know, he names it, so I don't have to keep it mysterious, but like under bridges. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, and we'll I think unpack. there's plenty there that's patronizing, but he was saying that was one of his favorites. So yeah, it's just, it's kind of, I guess it's all like sort of subjective to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I like this chorus a lot. Um, I like the accordion in the verses. I like the oh, organ that comes in for the chorus. Oh, it's great. Yeah, the yeah. accordion, the accordion uh, is amazing. I think that's it makes a big I, difference. Yeah. It makes. I think people need to throw in more accordion without needing to make it like a polka. You can use the accordion because <laughs> it sounds awesome. Right. Yeah. Hashtag more accordion twenty twenty. Yep. Um, yeah, I would support that. Yeah, I mean, I so. I think we can all agree, whatever, however we take it, that like it's about sort of a depressed girl or someone who's not sure of her worth and he's trying to reassure her. I'm not sure that it's a literal sister so much no. as just sort of a I don't you know, think, sister in yeah, faith or in humanity or whatever. But. Yeah, I, I don't think it necessarily needs to be, you know, just like in the same way, like you call somebody a brother, it's like, right. Like no, you don't. They don't need to be. I think brother in Christ, sister in Christ. I choose to think that that's more of a likely situation. Yeah, it feels kind of um, one girl army adjacent in the sense that it's like, you know, society puts pressures on young women and don't underestimate them. Don't feel discouraged. Like feel encouraged that you're part of something bigger. I think that's how I sort of chose to interpret it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, for some reason, Blake mentioned he wasn't sure if it was Registor or Resistor. It shows up in the track uh, as Registor, but that may just yeah. be somebody's typo at some point. Yeah, um, uh, I don't know. It could be uh, Registrar. Maybe that's the could. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's a metaphor there. Yeah. It's the, you know, the robot is signing up for <laughs> classes or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, should I move on to fireworks? Let's do it. I am barely breathing. <laughs> One time on the Fourth of July, I went out to watch the fireworks fly from the hill. See all the rockets as they flew from the town below me. Bombs bursting in the air. The crowd was cheering with every flare. But in the distance, the clouds were cracking and flashing, mountains shaking with every explosion. And I remember thinking that. Dennis yeah <laughs> <laughs> not not feeling this one yeah 
Um, yeah, I it's 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 not one of my favorite songs on the record. It's funny that like as it started and before the lyrics came in, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know about this one. And then Dennis started singing, and I was like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got we've gotten a little bit of shit for. Um, you know, not always being into the Dennis songs. And I want to say Dennis is a very important part of the band. You know, I understand that his songs are not always my favorites. Um, no, I, 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 Dennis is a, um, an amazing musician, a great singer. Um, I mean, he can obviously, he's a great songwriter too, but his songs just, never really no they're not they're not for me they don't click or register or resistor or (laughs) registrar with me (laughs) no agreed um it all feels very like kind of overblown and i don't know i'm just can't really vibe with it yeah and i just get the it's like the vibe that the song's like oh man like the fireworks are great but like god is bigger than that Right. That's that's kind of like what I'm getting from. Yeah, these fireworks aren't so great. What about the Lord? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's the, that if I if, what if that was someone's argument? It's like, hey, did you guys see Parasite? Yeah, I guess no. he's okay. But have you seen? Have you heard of the Lord? <laughs> yeah, just immediately that disposition is like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Just um. cross your arms. Can't enjoy anything unless it's the Lord. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's that's this is a straw man <laughs> if I've ever yeah that yeah. we're creating here for Dennis. No, but, uh, yeah, that's not what he's saying exactly. But you know, I just yeah, I don't. It never. Uh, it we're never just having a little fun, guys. Okay, yeah, geez, just having a laugh, just having a goof. <laughs> okay, I'm very interested to get into the song with you. More notes on this than any other song. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. I like this. I think this is cool. I'm into it. Yesterday while walking Beneath an overpass I saw the figure of Jesus Standing barefoot on broken glass His beard was graying Smell of urine filled the air Asking if I had some change Anything that I could spare And do, 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 do more accordion we emaciated his shaking fist balled up Take 
just get through this part? <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. This What's is my number. This is my number three. Okay, interesting. I, yeah, you know, it's it, it's surprise. It, it surprises. It surprises me too. I have lots of. I want to hear. Let's let's. I want to start with some of your thoughts. Well, I just uh, lots going on. Lots to unpack. I mean, it's kind of where zero meets fifteen territory. Like feeling sort of overwhelmed at um, homelessness as representing. I don't know the marginalized. Um, but it's also like that and in, in that it feels a little patronizing to me. Um, you know, he, he, it paints this very sort of like, these are really like pathetic people. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's got this line that we just heard and all have hated crucified and walked away savior of the prostitutes, drunkards, rapists, and the gays. Now, obviously saying the gays in that way is mocking that kind of thinking, I think. Um, but still lumping gay people sure. and prostitutes, drunkards and rapists together is not a great right. look. No, uh, no, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a great look. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to pull Bill Lumberg here. I'm, I'm just going to have to go <laughs> ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Uh-huh. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't look at it as, a look how pathetic these people are. They need Jesus. I look at it as no, I look at it yeah. as as a. This is clearly uh, a Matthew twenty five sheep and the goat situation. Right, right. That right. um, like you know I needed clothes and I was in prison and I was thirsty and it's like hey Jesus hey when do we see you uh, need clothes over here? <laughs> right. And I think this is what he what what Classic he's trying disciples. to. <laughs> yeah, this is this is Jesus. This is Jesus saying, like, when you see the least of these, whatever you do for them, you do for me. That's that's how I interpret um, this song, and and also from for a little context, um, I think this is coming from a place of uh, when I talked to Jason, he was talking about uh, Reese uh, and the and the whole scum of the earth church situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how that was a a lot of. Um, queer people were members of that church. And, and so I think for, for Reese, he was looking at it through the lens of, you got to remember this is 2000 and four years later, George W. Bush won an election based on family values. And so, so Reese coming out and being like, I don't, I don't know if he, I think in, in a 2020, 2020 hindsight and 2020, the year, looking back and being like, and maybe uh, the the line, somebody could look at, you know, drunkards, rapists, and the gays and be like, he's saying that uh, being a gay person is on, is on par with being a rapist, um, which I would argue that that is absolutely not his intention. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's trying to say to the church, um, yeah. these people are Christ. Right. And no, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, yeah, maybe I didn't word my 
objection or fuck you john <laughs> discomfort correctly because I, I i agree with all that i think that is what he's trying to do i appreciate the sentiment you know yeah. like having jesus appear as someone dying of aids is a powerful idea um but just the the positioning of it comes off pretty patronizing to me just like you know not that they're pathetic because they need jesus it's like a you know, he says later, under bridges with hands raised from the ghettos, they praise his name, broken, crippled in the dark of night, raise your voices to Jesus Christ. It's just kind of like a, I don't know, it's like even in the ghettos, you know what I mean? It just feels a little bit like, um, I don't know, what's the like poverty porn, you know, the <laughs> terminology where it's sort of yeah. like you're reveling in this to like sort of make yourself or make the faith you're part of look good. You know what I mean? I don't well, know. I mean, I think we've, we talked a little bit about that, that element within missions trips, you know, right, that right, like right. you're like, Oh, look how great we are. We're going to this poverty, impoverished uh, country for, you know, a few days and how great are we that, you know, we're talking about Jesus and then yeah. we can go back home to our McMansion and, and right. not, and not worry about it. And obviously this is different because he's saying those people are Jesus. Like we're not bringing Jesus to them, but still it feels a little bit like, can you believe even these people's in the ghettos, that's where Jesus, you know what I mean? I, I don't but know. like knowing, do you really think that that is what was re- in Reese's no, heart no, when he no. was like, I know I, his intentions are in the right place for sure. And that's, and I think this is why I, I have it as my number three, because sure. I mean, like as a 16 year old kid who was totally, still totally. not uh, affirming and, and pro LGBT. Yeah. And in the year 2000, like that, I mean, that was a big deal, I think then. And, yeah. and of course Reese has continued to evolve. And, sure. and I think if you think about the kind of the church and the space that they were making for, for, yeah. you know, queer people and LGBT people, like, um, I think that's, and, and, and as we know, as he's, as he's gone on to like, you know, invite, uh, who was the, the guy who was taken off the, that, that, that right, festival right. and, yeah. and you I know, can't remember his name, but yes. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They invite the gay musician who was taken off of, of, of the, of a bill. Trey play. Pearson actually, yeah. who, uh, that's who Blake mentioned earlier, right? Oh, uh, oh, did he? Uh, yeah, maybe he was on Exangelical. So. Oh, great! Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I think the, I think some of the the clunky and clumsy juxtaposition yeah. I give a one hundred percent pass. And, totally. And I, I do, I do, I can, I can understand. I think from an outside perspective, um, maybe, and I don't know, and I'm not trying to like. I'm not trying. I'm not necessarily trying to convince you, but like, I think maybe like I'm just trying to think if 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 seventeen uh, year old John heard this yes, record. I think you're probably right. Um, and then and then you revisited it now. Maybe yeah. maybe you'd have a little bit more of a a different. Yeah. Um, but I think as anybody coming in without any context and just hearing the song. I would completely understand why they would maybe bristle at, at that, at that moment. Yeah. And this is like sort of splitting hairs to some extent, because we're talking about a band or a, you know, a band spinoff of a band that 
resonates with us because of the way that they, you know, have challenged the Christian world they were part of and because right. of kind of often the nuances of the things they're bringing up. So I, I guess it's just like, I'm already, I'm already so much more on board for them than I would be for like 90% of the stuff that came out of this world. You know what I mean? So right. it's like, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, to, okay. So there's all that stuff that we heard. And then after that, there's this Apollo eight Genesis reading. Um, so we, So there's this this reading from 1968 um, flight uh, where they read uh, Genesis on Christmas Eve, like everybody watched. Um, so that's the thing. And then there's a big key change. <laughs> it's just like a lot going on. Um, and then there's there. Uh, my favorite part of the whole song is the guitar part that comes in for the final chorus. I yeah, really like the uh, the sort of like the. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that a lot. So yeah, yeah um, I do. Also I, worth I, noting that this is Andy Verdecchio on drums on this track. Ooh, yep. That's why it sounds good. <laughs> Not that the drums on the other side. Every other like track good. sounds like shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> this is, a, I, I think there's a lot to wrestle with here. I think there's a lot going on, but there's a lot to like about it too. So I understand why both of you mentioned it as being among your favorites. Under bridges. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hands <laughs> feels raised. A little bit like under the bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which uh, similar sort of thematic content a little bit and two of the three words are the same. <laughs> but anyway, that's fine. <laughs> um, come on. I mean, this is this is not about Southern California and heroin. So I mean, it's a little bit about the latter, I guess. But. <laughs> I guess it's a little bit about heroin. But yeah. Um, but I think anyway. the point of both songs is like this this world that people think of as being hidden is actually like where this person finds meaning, even if one is through heroin and if one is through finding Christ and, and marginalized. <laughs> but anyway. Um, all right. Let's uh, – this weird, unnecessary interlude Everything track. Everything at first to be proceeding normally. I'm into it. I like it. Everything seemed at first to be proceeding normally. I dig the weirdness. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think I just want to get to, I just want to get to Smitty. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds objectively cheesier than the original. <laughs> A Friday night affair Out in the city heats Always a party there Along the sordid street And it was guaranteed The place to be Was Rocket Town Yeah The drinks were two for one Inside the crowded bars The girls would make their runs the ball 
This is a long song, and uh, the only reason I can imagine they even considered this for the record was Rocket. That I can't think. I can't think of any other reason why he would choose <laughs> to have a Michael W. Smith song, <laughs> even if it was one of his singles and one of his hits. Right. It's uh, not I mean, thematically I, consistent. No, it's it's. Uh, it's about, again, another song, like going from Under Bridges to... It's sort of similar. It it is, but it's also, I I think it's um, Rocket Town is a little bit more... Oh, look at at all these sinners. They're like, they're partying and like Jesus, you know, they didn't understand what Jesus's deal was. And and Reese is is like, here is like all the grace and compassion and like, yeah, you you are Christ, even if the world doesn't see you. Right. Which as we discussed on our Michael W. Smith episode is kind of funny because he named his club Rocket Town. So yeah, exactly. Take that for what you will. Um, (laughs) No, this is one of my favorite Smitty jams. I like the idea, like when you teased that they covered it on this album, I was like, oh, that's, that could be, they could have done something really cool and sort of electronic and spacey they with it. And they <laughs> definitely don't. I mean, it's, wow, I, wow. yeah, I prefer the Michael W. Smith song to this one, which is. They should have done Picture Perfect instead. Oh man, that <laughs> would be wonderful. I feel like Reese could really crush that. Um, I mean, yeah, how do you take, I love Smitty, you know. We're on the record, but right. how do they take a Michael W. Smith song and make it cheesier than, than it was? <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of why I like Rocket Town so much. Is it's very kind of like sparse and like Rocket Town, has those kind of like the synthy like dun, 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 dun. it's just kind of a simple refrain, and this is like around like it's just I don't know. I'm not. I like the idea of them doing that song. I don't uh, don't like the execution. I don't in the. I don't like his uh, execution of the chorus either. Rocket Town. It's like no. no. What Rocket was Town. his mission? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where what? Like I, it, it just got, right. it just got really, really dramatic. Right. Also, you're uh, supposed to go Rocket Town. Rocket Town. I know exactly. What was his mission? Yeah. Where was he going? Yeah. Just what was? <laughs> yeah. What was? What? Yeah. Like it just. I think the it, it, inclusion of the, like the. The, the hard stop and then like the strings into it. It just, it just, uh, yeah, it's, it's always been it, an outlier for me. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. But I do like uh, the ending. Town. <laughs> the bass. You're you're not feeling the keep it. <laughs> <laughs> this is my true number one. Mm. Just kidding. <laughs> um, moon burns bright. They said the surface was suffocating. They said the distance wasn't worth. Cross the spirit of a 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's 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 fine. Um, the music is by Dennis. <laughs> Uh, of course <laughs> I have it in red which is my code for I don't like this song <laughs> and are the only the... <laughs> are the only red songs um... no, because Shadow of Death makes, <laughs> yes. makes the cut too but two out of three are Dennis songs so yeah yeah um, just doesn't really ever go anywhere for me I don't know yeah you got the moon in there as a metaphor for for his love so I guess there's that yeah. thematic element but that's that's about it it's fine it doesn't really um doesn't really do it for me, um, but you know no, it, it does. does you know, it do does it do it for me. me. Yeah. Engines at sixty-five percent. Three engines uh, running normally. Three good fuel cells. Three good APUs. Velocity twenty-two hundred fifty-seven feet per second. Up, Altitude Micah? four point three nautical miles. Downrange distance three nautical miles. It sounds like a horror movie. It does. Yeah. Up, From the producers of Get Out. <laughs> the bells. Great to do it. No one told me it was gonna rain today. Turn my face down from the sky. Something broke inside my heart today. Christmas presents on the day she died Crippled dreams are never mentioned Broken things that never heal Mother says that I should give it time Tonight I cannot help but cry February 29th Number three. Boom. Knew it. So this is where this, already, but. this is where I like Dennis. I think Dennis, his background vocals and his harmonies, I feel like yeah. his voice works well with Reese. Agreed. Yeah, I love when their voices are working together. Um, <laughs> sorry, that, I didn't mean that as a burn. He does have a nice voice. It's just. I um, like when he's not fucking terrible. That's my, <laughs> that's my favorite part. Um. No, I, I I always enjoy his background vocals. Um, yeah, this is another one where there's a lot going on. It wasn't necessarily going to be my number three, but um, so this is one where I really like the sort of samples and the turntables. Like, it feels kind of like trip hop, like the you know kind of '90s, early 2000s vein of like turntablism in a in a comforting way. <laughs> right, where, like you were saying, there's those bells and they're like, ding, yeah. Brick. Like I just that sound is a cool one, and then it goes into kind of this sludgy, 
harder chorus. Oh man, um, the the fuzzy guitars and the yeah, yeah, just like the just you know, Andy is um is on the drums in, in this one too. It's just like yeah, that sounds it's right. just it's just heavy. The yeah. chorus is heavy. Yeah. It's heavy musically and it's heavy lyrically because <laughs> Reese sings in a world of dying children, rain never seems to cease. I will hope for things unseen now. One day my heart will be at peace. Um which heavy. Um yeah. we, you know, we talked about kind of his response to you know in something like um you know starving children in pain (laughs) that one (laughs) like you there's a there's a there's a vibe that sometimes reese taps into where what i think he's talking about here where it's like being so overwhelmed at the state of the world that all you can kind of do is find comfort in the idea that like well in heaven um I won't have to worry about this, which I feel like is complicated, but I also understand. I understand the idea of being like the realities of this world are like really tough to sort of wrap your head around. Um, and it's also very much centered around death and um, his grandma passing. I believe that's who this is mainly about, like yeah. c- conflating death and the death of his grandma with this juxtaposition of the world as it is in heaven, um, which yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that that gives him a certain sense of comfort. I do feel like sometimes that can lend itself to like the thinking of like, so therefore we don't have to worry about the world, you know, but I don't think that's where he's going here. Um, it's more just like, a, there's a lot of pain in this world. I hope my grandma is in a place where she is at peace now. And I look forward to that peace as well. <laughs> like that's kind of where I sense he's going with it. Yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite kind of theology, um, sure. but I can, um, I, I will note it. Yeah. I think another reason it resonates with me is like, so it opens up with a clip of the space shuttle challenger disaster, which is like, they're blasting off in the clip, but you know what's coming for them. Yeah. This is, um, um, this is, this is why for the longest time I thought it was about the challenger. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it isn't about the Challenger. Like, I think it's another one where it's kind of conflating, you know, it's about death, but sometimes how, well, so th- then there's that sample of Do Not Go Gentle in That Good Night, the poem, which is right. about death, but is often used in like movies or stories about space. <laughs> I think because it's like as a metaphor for humanity, you know, and like. Do not go gentle into that good night. Yeah, I'm really into that. It's really cool. And I, again, I think there's just a lot going on. Like it's, it's about death. It's about humanity. It's about going into space, like as humanity, not going gentle, meaning exploring, even though we know that some of those explorers are going to die. Like there's, I don't know, there's a lot going on. I, I just, I dig kind of the, the heaviness of it, both uh, lyrically and musically. So. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's uh, one of the songs that I like that I feel like he does well um, with Roper is sort of like, 
yeah. do, doing that either or it could be one right, or the right. other. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Close Lord. it out. Do you want a closing worship song over here? Another index Chelsea's Dale over here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gloria in Excelsis Dale. Glory, Gloria, Glory to weak to other, to time. Yeah, this um this to me of the kind of closing worship tracks which we did talk about on Roper yeah. um that they have a tendency to do. This to me uh is one of the most like if you if if some if we heard this like at our um uh, like Saturday night worship service in college. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, this is like just a straight ahead worship song. Right. That it's just the like kind of the tr- like cliche kind of s- chord progressions and yeah. Um, this I've fallen down. I'm going to drown. Have mercy. Have mercy. Just like it's not like it's not super interesting. And then like it has this the the line like the your love, your mercy, your light, your hope, your peace. It's like, it's like a, it's like a call and response worship song essentially. Yeah. Uh, and, and that to me is like my least favorite. Like I picked under bridges, which is like objectively <laughs> a worship song. Right, and, right, right. uh, but this one is just like, it's, it's Yonsville. It's, it's, there's no shredding in this one. There's no shredding in this one. Um, it doesn't spark any sort of like, like, Oh man, this is, this is, it's, it's boring. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it ends the album with a yawn. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've talked about it plenty that like just that closing worship mode is rarely my like preferred band, uh, (laughs) mode, but, yeah, I, I like the sound of the stand-up bass. I like the yeah. organ on the chorus, but just, yeah, I agree. It's just kind of boring to me. I I will say, like, it's interesting as a as a closing worship song because lyrically, at least, it's not so much the, like, I'm a piece of crap, like <laughs> a lot of them are, but it is, like, coming from a place of what sounds like genuine depression <laughs> and needing God, which is kind of, like, similar to the all the hype vein. Um yeah, like can't pull myself back up. I'm going to drown. <laughs> like that's, it's pretty dark. Um, as opposed to some of the more sort of positive worship songs they've done. This is an interesting bummer closer sort of. Um, 
and yeah, as you said, it's interesting that the last track on Roper, which we covered last week, was Nick Chelsea's Deo, and now it's Gloria. <laughs> um, those feel very related. Anyway. Well, this was the this is the OG Gloria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Nick Chelsea's Deo came later. Right. Um, but yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't do too much for me. Doesn't float your penis. <laughs> we haven't used that one in a while. <laughs> uh, no, not too much. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's so far from home. Any closing thoughts? So far from home, but close to my heart. Hey. Hey oh. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't want to suggest that like I hate this or anything like that. It's just. Um, I don't. I just don't think I'm. I'm wired to. Um, you know, to to vibe with this sound as much as I am some others that uh, well, we've covered. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty much Space Robot Five because <laughs> you hate <laughs> you your 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 lifeless heart nope. can't cry. Nope. Just can't laugh. Me, just blast me out to the moon. <laughs> Who cares? You hate you hate emo Reese. You hate emo Mike Carrera. <laughs> yeah, <I> just. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a, you know, had I been invested in the movement at the time, I probably would feel more resonance with it now. But I don't know. I kind of missed those those few years of the early 2000s where I think a lot of um, my friends and, you know, people our age really heavily invested in, in that time. But anyway, um, it was certainly interesting to go over. We will cover the other two albums. Yep. I'm very eager to get into those. Yep, because uh, we do have some um, some tracks from that that uh, Jason sent us cool. as well. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what what comes next. We've got a lot. We still got a lot of ground to cover. It's true. Before we get back into Five Iron and their reunion and the adjacent records and Second Cheeses and EP that comes with that, there's lots of other side projects. So, yep. Yep. We will get there. Yep. In the meantime, let us know what you think about Brave St. Saturn and this record specifically at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe if you haven't already and give us a rating or review, please, at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. We just had a few more five stars. We could really become a five-star <laughs> podcast. And if you're yeah. listening this far and you haven't yet given us those five stars, you really ought to do that. Yeah, it'll um, take... It'll take <laughs> four seconds and (laughs) it definitely definitely helps us um if you're one of those people that's like and i don't want to write a review just don't just go (laughs) just hit them stars hit them stars boy and when you do that leave us a voicemail about it 872-762-4763 magpod right you can always also email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com always also do that man i mean you know (laughs) words hard um (laughs) we can uh you can (laughs) brother just send me into space i'm done um am i still alive brave saint potter (laughs) yeah that's right uh support us at patreon.com slash magnified pod pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com Thank you very much to our shadow producer, Jason from Unoriginal Vinyl. Thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios and Danny Leary for our artwork. Well, time is winding down, but only for this episode. We want you to be found enjoying the next episode. Yo, I'm, I'm a crazy, fresh, crazy, fresh, <laughs> crazy, fresh, 
Crazy silly fresh DJ. Bam! Cradle rock style. Uh, Yo. Uh, come on, John. This well, track back is fire. In the day when I rapped and rolled. Right back as a buster rhyme. I've got the freshest beats and I'm my always name, on my time. Name is I'm the best what? of the best. <laughs> Chicky Chicky yeah, Reese Roper. Reese Roper. <laughs> <laughs> uh.